welcome back, guys. We've got a special interview episode for you guys this time. We got Derek Bella back on the show. You guys know him from Two Mold. Uh, he's in Outer Heaven. And most recently, he's got the project Dream Unending. So if you don't know about this one, you definitely need to. It's him and then Justin from Innumerable Forms, you know, a lot of other projects. Give that a listen if you haven't yet. But yeah, we, we talked a lot about that band, about the project, and about this new album called Tide Turns Eternal. And uh, yeah, this one's coming out this week, November 19th. We recorded this thing back in September, September 30th. We had been talking a lot about the album, and I don't know, I wanted to talk to him about it while it was fresher in my mind, and I was going to be busy in October. So that's that's kind of when it lined up to do it. So just for reference, that's when we recorded it. But um, yeah, man, um, you know, we talked about the origins of the band, how they came together, what the idea was for the band, you know, influences, you know, whether they're bands or, or, or movies or, you know, non-metal influences, just all that kind of stuff. If you've listened to our interviews before with Derek, then you know it's going to go all over the place. We touch on a ton of different things. You know, we get deep for a little while on the concepts behind the band, the hopefulness of the band and some of the, the spiritual themes and just things like that. I, I, I thought it was super interesting. You know, Derek's my favorite guest to have on this show. And, uh, I, I, you know, I think you guys are going to like it too. So I'm not going to ramble on. It's a long one. So enjoy.
okay. But you guys yeah. plan on staying in Canada? I think, well, pre... The last time we would have talked, which was just a couple months into the pandemic, the yeah. plan was still for me to go there. And then over the summer, there was just like this sort of souring feeling on that. And yeah. we were just like, let's just come up here. And it's funny enough, like you can't... The border was closed when when we talked, but you could still fly down to the United States and they just didn't care. <laughs> really? Even though even though they're like, borders are closed, like you can't come into Canada via car, you can't go into America via car, but you can still fly to America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I just flew there and then I had my friend who is like ordained with the Universal Life Church or something just to marry us in her parents' backyard and got married and then came back here started doing everything for her permanent residence on this end and then boom we got it yeah so yeah that's legit though at least you guys pulled it off during all that dude it was terrible <laughs> like it was like I'm, I'm so thrilled but like yeah the like I, before last week i hadn't seen her since like january Come right on. so oh it was my a gosh it was a process but <laughs> now she's here her dog's here with us it's fine it's more than fine it's great <laughs> and you're uh you got a new place you're on your own here yeah, I moved back to Toronto proper, and I like it. I mean, it's a, it's a necessary evil to live here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I've never been to Toronto, so it's it's good. Like, it's great. It's just uh, I'm happy to live on a street where when I'm on my street, I don't feel like I'm in the city anymore. Yeah, right. You know what right, I mean. Yeah. You live in Michigan, right? But yeah. Like, do you live in a do you live in a city or no. a town or <laughs> a dirt road? Dirt road, man. Dirt like, road, yeah. Way out there. I mean, it's <laughs> it's an hour. It's about an hour and some change to Detroit. That's about that's my fun. max because I, you know, that's where all the shows are, and yeah, I work like around there. My but. parents live anywhere from forty-five to sixty minutes outside the city. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's doable, you know. Yep. I just like yeah, having the sure. peace. That's how we were raised, you know, and like. I mean, oh, I, yeah. the city's fun. We just we had a weekend. We went to Grand Rapids and did the city thing, and it was great, you know. But I just love being in the open, and no, oh, I get that, you know. But I get that. Pluses and minuses. <laughs> I mean, it's nice being close to everything. I mean, you, you know, it is like it is handy, especially when you're someone like me and you can't drive. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the it's the great trivia about Dream Unending. Uh, can't drive a car. <laughs> Yeah, because you said usually on the bus and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I would take the train into Toronto when I lived outside of town. And then when I'm in the city, I either walk or take transit. Yeah. I like to walk because I like to listen to music Yeah, while I'm like going about. So it's For a great sure. time. Like foot commuting is a great way to get a lot of like listening done. That oh, music man. or podcasts or audiobooks, whatever. Oh, I t totally, man. I wish I could do it. I mean, biking or walking or whatever. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I get it in. I'll take my dog for a long walk or whatever just to listen to some music, whatever. But that—that's well, my favorite way to listen to music. Like going for a walk. That's my that's yeah. the way. I mean, driving is okay, but but you you have to focus on so many other things, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. When I was when I was living with my with my mom back home in like the house I grew up in, I would sit out on the front porch at night and listen to like music with my headphones. Yeah. And just like kind of smile and wave at like people who walk by, like the people in the neighborhood. And that was my favorite way to just listen to anything. Yeah. And I was, maybe it was just the same three records all summer, but like, <laughs> fuck it, it's fine. <laughs> what uh, what were you listening to all summer? Well, this summer, I mean, I was here. I was listening to the Dream on Ending record a lot. I won't <laughs> lie, it's, pre it's pretty good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but beyond that, like, um, 
records we talked about before, like I listen to that Dennis Wilson album all yeah. the goddamn time. I love listening to Gene Clark yeah. all the time. But then like late, like in the summer, this summer, uh, the last Blue Nile album called High, mm-hmm. which came out in 2001, and they basically weren't a band anymore at that point. And it was just the main guy, Paul Buchanan. Because I was rereading, I have the, someone wrote a biography about them called Nihilism, which okay. is a great name. Because they're such an interesting band to write about because they're not interesting at all. Like, <laughs> there's just these four dudes who would take like four years to make a record, and no one, like, everyone around them would just get aggravated by how slow they were, but they're just such perfectionists. Yeah, yeah. And then that last record, though, it's really good, but, um, it's not nowhere near as good as their other records. Yeah. But listening to it in the context of like this is this is like the end of the band. Like some of the some of the lyrics like just hit a little harder. Like the last song on that album, Stay Close, is like one of the greatest like last songs by a band ever. Like the last song on their last <laughs> record. Like it doesn't get any better than that. So I listen to that a lot. Yeah. And we're just luckily I'm fortunate where I live now, we have a back deck that's covered by a big tree. So sitting out there at night is really nice. So I can still do like my nighttime listening. Right. That's great. Crucial. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I mean, I guess we should start talking about Dream on Ending first because I mean. Yeah. Where do you want to (laughs) start? I mean, you know, since no one really has any background on it. I mean, just like. For for context, today is September 28th. So when people hear this, it'll be probably November when the record's out. Yeah. And but yeah, you have had the pleasure of listening to it early. So Man, I figured we could just I'm glad too one. because you know it's one of those that like you can absorb it the more I mean it takes takes some listens. Like the first listen I was immediately just like you know was, I was blown <laughs> away. I think I you know yeah. but it's like you you know it's just one of those albums you pick it up so much more as you go. I mean there's a lot of layering and there's a lot of stuff going on and Yeah, so I'm it's, glad I had some time to soak it in. For sure. So I guess we'll we could just start at the very beginning. Yeah. So I guess in 2000, when did Manor of Infinite Forms come out? 2018, I think. I want to say it's 18. I always remember that as just a good year. So I, I think that was that was a good year. I think that year. So that record came out, and then Innumerable Forms put out their record on Profound Lore. Yeah. And I had known. I mean, Profound Lore, not Profound Lore. Innumerable Forms had been a band for like, like I don't know. 10, almost 10 years before that, I feel like. Yeah, for a little like, while. I, I remember seeing them play in 2010 with um, Mammoth Grinder in Toronto. And I remember being like pumped to go just for them because they were one of the only bands I could know of at the time that played death metal, like death metal by people who like finished death metal. Yeah. This is like, it like, predates like the huge boom. Of right, it. right. So, I, you know, I went, they were really good. And then I remember after that, they just like never really did a whole lot. Yeah, like some splits but, and stuff, right? Yeah, and... Justin plays in like 30 bands yeah. and Jensen is on the other side of the country. So you have these things working against you. That album finally came out and I was like, wow, it's like about time. <laughs> so I remember I contacted Chris from Profound Lore and I was like, do you have Justin's email? Because I'd love to shoot him a note and just say, you know, congrats on putting this out. Uh, big fan of yours. So I did. He gave it to me. I, I emailed him. He got back to me. He said, thanks. I'm a big fan of Tomb Mold, blah, blah, blah. And we just kind of 
started talking. I think we agreed to send each other stuff and we never did, which is fine. But then we started talking about music and he was like, well, if, if you ever want to, you ever want to do something together, you know, let me know. I was like, well, what do you want to do? And so I would like to do a doom band, like a classic doom band, which it can mean so many things. Oh yeah. Doom is such a tough word. <laughs> I know. Because I know. someone could be like, let's do a doom band. And then you say, okay, do you want to sound like this band? They're like, no, I want to sound like electric wizard. It's like, well, that's not <laughs> yeah. what I had in mind. That's fine. But well, like, it's like that one. He, uh, that one he just played on from this year. Um, Solemn lament. Yeah. Which, you uh, know, what, that's what a, a doom band, but like, yeah. you know, yeah. clean vocals and yeah. Cla- yeah. I guess more of a classic sound, but like, uh, yeah, it can go so many ways. That album is really good too. I've been loving it. Yeah. I really, really like it. Yeah. We had it on the other day while we were building a dresser here. Um, so good. So, and then he, you know, we, he mentioned the Peaceville three and I started to form an image in my mind and I was like, well, I like all that stuff. So yeah. why not? I mean, I was definitely intimidated by him asking. I was like, <laughs> I've been watching Justin playing bands since 2004, 2005. Like, just all these different hardcore bands that he was in. Um, some he fronted, some he played an instrument in. And so he's he's got quite the pedigree. He's a man of quality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm just some guy. That's, like, <laughs> that's a downplay, he, but yeah. No, he is, like, he's a god, <laughs> then I'm a sprite. It's fine. But... Um, we would we talk more and more and we started to realize like we liked all the same kind of doom was we liked we liked funeral doom but we weren't going to be a super long in the tooth kind of band right we weren't going to have any fast parts there were going to be no blast beats it's like we're not going to do that uh we're not going to be a death doom band it was sort of it was like we had all these rules before we even did anything yeah like we know what we don't want to be right now we got to figure out what what we are put some parameters on it yeah and i've never written i never tried to write doom before because I think I've said this to you before. I only write, I only start writing things when I have to. Like, right. Like I never was going to write death metal until Max was like, we have to do a death metal band. Then okay, I'll learn how to write it. And I never thought about writing doom music until Justin asked me to do a doom band, which is fine. It's like, a, it's a fun journey, you know? So then um, we talked about it. I went on tour for a while with two mold and then came back, had nothing to do. I was pretty I was pretty deflated because we were done all this touring. I had proposed to my now wife, but I hadn't wasn't gonna see her for a bit. I was like, all right, this is a good time to start working on this. So that would have been the fall of twenty nineteen. Mm, okay. So I started outlining a couple of the songs and would send him my no, we we started with one song. I sent him a version and I basically was kind of told redo the whole thing so it did <laughs> really yeah but it was it was fine because he was right uh <laughs> what was so what was it like originally it was i think it was maybe half of half of what i was playing i scrapped the first song that we wrote was in cypher i weep which okay. is the song that dropped last week yeah i can't even remember how the original song went but then i remember i don't even remember when i wrote that intro but I remember I wrote it at some point and then started to piece it together. I knew that there was going to be a clean part in the middle. And we talked about that. Like we knew there was going to be clean parts. But I didn't know how how much clean was going to play a factor yeah. in this until I had started really picking away at stuff. But we outlined that song. It's funny to think about all the songs in their infancy only maybe had two guitars. 
by the time it was at the time that people hear this record, there's like four guitars almost at every single point <laughs> of the album. Yeah. And that didn't come till way later. So we would have we would have outlined that song, the opening, like the big opening track, Adorned in Lies. That was the second song I wrote. And then the last like the there's like two little interludes on the album. There's one that kicks off the record and one before the last song. That one, Forgotten Farewell, was the third thing I wrote. So that was sort of the basis of like, okay, this is all good. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Somewhat. Nothing really nothing really clicked until I wrote the title track Dream Unending, which was the third song I wrote. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that would have been oh man, maybe maybe the winter going into twenty twenty. Okay. Um So wait, I'm re- trying to think now. That would have been like yeah. That would have been pre-pandemic, right? Pre-pandemic, right like before it. A couple okay. months before it hit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm bummed I never timestamped anything. Now I send Justin everything via email, but I used to just put it in a Dropbox and say check the Dropbox. Yeah. But then all that stuff's been deleted since, so I can't. Yeah. I can't timestamp it. Right. But I remember writing that song, and I remember because I wanted a song where the beginning sounded like esoteric, which are probably the best doom band to ever exist. And it's funny because that, that's one of those ones that that got me into it more. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, well, I think I've told you before. I've never been the biggest dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I've come around on it a lot more in the past mm-hmm. couple of years. But when did that last esoteric album come out? Like a couple um, years only, right? Like 20, 2019. Like it came out in yeah. December of twenty nineteen, and I remember thinking, "God, this is the best record to come out," and no one's gonna put it on a list because it came out in <laughs> December. Because people that's make up right. like. Like everyone makes up their mind by like probably November, yeah. you know, because they they got to get that December issue out, so mm-hmm. you have to print it so far in advance. Whatever, it's fine. Anyways, yeah, yeah that one came out, and I was like, that yeah, it made me just really I don't know. I dove in, especially the funeral doom stuff, because I, I just never had time for it in the past. And then no, that was a big one. But anyway, well, so they're so had they're a, quite engaging, which is helpful. Yeah, um, and we 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 don't. We don't play a lot of a lot of our songs don't sound like esoteric, but I think Justin's vocal approach has a lot of that flair to it because if you listen with headphones, especially, there's so much like panned vocals like coming in. Like one line will come in at the left, and then halfway through that line, another one comes in from the right, like mm-hmm. kind of stacking these vocals on top of each other, which like just sonically is so amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I, esoteric do that incredibly. They're yeah. such an incredible band, but. And then that there's that big clean part in the middle uh, of Dream Unending. Mm-hmm. And that originally was like maybe just like, yeah, two guitar tracks. But I, I remember that I like you let this note ring out. And then this like overdriven guitar like slides in with one note, which I thought was so cool because I thought it sounded like Joe Satriani or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, like well, when it comes Justin, in. Yeah. Yeah. And I was sending it to Justin. I was like. Dude, like I'll tell you now, like if this is too much for you, like I totally understand. But I was in my head, I was like, I love this a lot. Those and are he some was, of my favorite parts, man. Oh yeah, and he said, dude, that's great. Like, no, you're on the right track. I think around that point is when I, we started to really realize like what this band was going to be, mm. or like what the sound was going to be. Um, and then I, I, I didn't finish that song till months later. We got to like I got to the riff after when everything comes back in, and then. I didn't finish it, and then I just ignored it for a while. That's the thing with these songs is that I, I would work on them for a while and then just completely leave them alone hmm. and maybe just think about it, think about other stuff. 
I wasn't really actively writing anything else at the time, but I was starting to work on learning Outer Heavens songs. Yeah. Before they started their new record, like their first album. I learned that uh, top to bottom pretty much. So I was kind of thinking about that. And it was like Dream on Ending has like, it's, we weren't even called Dream on Ending then. Like it was just, we're just, this Doom mm-hmm. Band is on the back burner. And then the pandemic hit. And I thought at this point, the pandemic hits, four of the five songs are written, but not really. Like four of the five songs are outlined, let's say. Mm. And I thought, I thought I was moving to America, right? So the idea was, oh, well, I'll move to Philly. You're in Boston. It's not that far. We'll get together. We'll finish it. We'll go record it someday. It'll be great. And then the pandemic happened. But it's important. Like this isn't a pandemic band, and I, I, I feel like <laughs> I'm not trying to be that guy who's who's really intense about stating that. But it's not. This wasn't like a, a throwaway thing. Because that's why I was asking happened. for context. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but we, at some point, like b- before the pandemic hit, Two Mold was like, we're gonna take a break. We had done just so much. Yeah. We just needed a recharge, and. We all had other stuff we wanted to do and we were still on a break. So I kind of texted Justin one day and just said, we have to figure this out. Like we have to make this happen. And he said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll book drums uh, with Arthur, Arthur Rizek, who recorded his drums and then mixed and mastered the album after the fact. Mm. I said, okay, I'll keep writing and I'll finish the songs. Um, Justin was recovering from like a herniated disc in his back. So I don't think he actually played drums until maybe a month or two before we recorded the album. Damn. (laughs) But I mean, he's pro, right? So it's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember how I went about it. You know what happened? I bought that 12 string guitar and that changed everything. That gave it a whole new sound probably, right? Yeah. Because I bought it not knowing what I was going to do with it. So I thought, well, I have to, I have to use it on the album. Right. So I started going back over songs and, and, you know, oh, I'll do this with the 12 string. I'll do this part with the 12 string. Yeah. It's like, well, if I'm doing that with the 12 string or if I like the six string clean guitar part, why don't I just play a 12 string part over top of it? And then I started to realize that, like, the, 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 the record needed four guitars, you know, like two heavy guitars and like maybe two clean guitars happening at once. What's funny, though, is because there's parts of songs where you can't hear everything happening because of just... It's hard to mix things yeah. like that. So there's like a there's a part in Adorned and Lies where one of the clean guitars you can barely hear. It doesn't matter though. It's there enough that it yeah. creates this foundation. Um, but then so, after that, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, just so I'm just thinking here too. So I've played on a 12 string maybe once in a guitar shop, mm-hmm. but I'm just thinking about how the fact that you've been learning fratless bass probably yeah. was it maybe it wasn't during this period. No, it was. It okay, was. so yeah. that you're picking up a twelve string guitar, which I can't remember if it's that much different. Is it a little hard? I mean, it's it's harder to hold down all the strings. But that's about it, right? It's everything's the that's same. About it's it. just yeah. It's you okay. still tune it. It's still octave strings, right? Or just the same string doubled. Yeah. But some of the twelve string stuff on the record is in an open open tuning or like a modified tuning okay. sorts. Yeah. Okay. So and that was a lot of fun. That guitar is just fun to play. Like you just sit on the couch and it sounds amazing. You don't yeah. even need to plug it in. Um, there's like a fake F hole cut out, which adds a bit of volume when you're playing unplugged. 
But after that, yeah, and in all the while I'm buying, I'm buying other pedals and stuff, and thinking how can I use this on the record, <laughs> and um, then I just we sort of had final demos of each song with a click track. I did it all in GarageBand, wasn't fancy. And then I, you know, Justin heard them. He had months and months to absorb the songs, which helped. So before he could even play drums, he sort of had it all mapped out in his head. Yeah. Like, I should play this, I should play this. I didn't give him any instruction outside of maybe two parts. But beyond that, I'm, I can't tell someone what to play. Like, they're, <laughs> they know better than me. I, right. You know, stick to what you know, stay in your lane, so on and so forth. <laughs> and then he, yeah, and then he went to Arthur and he just tracked the drums. I didn't even know what he was going to play. I just was like, I'll hear it when you're done. <laughs> That's that to me has got to be, I, I don't know. I maybe cause I'm a like kind of a little bit of a control freak. Like yeah. in some ways I feel like that would be tough to send it off, see what happens. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's awesome. It turned it, out. You know? Well, I guess, I mean, I heard, I listened to your interview with Zach from outer heaven and he says something along the lines of, if it was anyone else, it, well, I might have felt uneasy, but I just trusted Derek to right. play the songs. I trusted Justin more than anything. I guess. He, yeah. He's such a student of the genre. And I've heard him play drums on so many goddamn albums mm-hmm. that I was like, I know exactly, he knows exactly what to play. And he knows the thing that is, what's really nice about Justin is that he's a very good drummer, but he doesn't try to play like a very good drummer. Mm. Like, He's super tight. He hits hard, and every note, like everything he plays, has conviction. But he's not trying to fill all the space. Right, he lets everything I got you. Which is so perfect because all the guitars fill in that space for him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If he was which to, works so well for that type of an album. Exactly. There's so much going on with those guitars and layering and all the little details and the lead. So, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that having something where it'd be too overpowering drum wise. You can't have that with that. No, and he knows like every every song was paced well, and he knew never to like make it. The album is never like you're never put off. The album's not jarring in any way. It's kind of like why we didn't want fast parts, right? Because we just mm-hmm. wanted the whole thing to just sort of wash over you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah, it was funny. I remember I I had a my best friend like my lifelong friend over last weekend, and he doesn't listen to metal at all. Um, but we have all this other music crossover. We went to shows together growing up back home and whatnot. I played it for him, and maybe halfway in the first song, he he asked, does this ever change speed? And I said, not really. And he said, good. <laughs> he was like, it's just so, he's like, everything is, it's not, yeah, it's not assaulting. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel assaulted by this. It's a heavy album, yeah. but you're not really being punched in the face with it, which right. is, I think, really crucial. I think it's what we wanted. We wanted it to sound dreamlike. Right. Putting it. Right. So. When you were talking about all those like things you didn't want it to be, when did you start saying though, like I want it to be dreamlike and dreamy? I think once I started to realize, I mean, I knew Justin loved bands like the cure and whatnot. So Mm. talking about that, like, Oh, we could have this part. Sounds like disintegration. You know, he, he would say, great. Yeah. I'll do that. And I think knowing that we both, you know, had a had a have a fondness for goth music and post punk. He also loves all the doom that I love that I feel like no one else cares about, mm. like bands like like Tiamat, 
or the gathering, like the more like melodramatic, like romantic stuff. Right. Like I love all of that. Like I love that more than I love, I don't know, like winter. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that yeah. stuff speaks to me more. I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love winter, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, sure. that, that melodic kind of gothy side was, I was always drawn to that. I love the imagery of it. Like I love how cheesy it is. That's why like, like, I mean, a band like Anathema, have like straight up like the song Sleepless sounds like a Joy Division song. Mm. It has like this that post punk drum beat and everything. And yeah, I always thought that stuff was really cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so we would talk about that. I mean, we would talk about those bands and then just all the other stuff we liked that didn't have anything to do with Doom. Right. Sort of like we like all the same kind of guitar players. We like this like style of like leads and solos and whatnot. So it was just very easy to, it was like, we just spoke the same language. I can't, I don't know how to say it. Otherwise it just, every time I show him something, I just feel like I know he's going to like it, Uh, which is helpful because I get really nervous showing people things. Like when Mm -hmm. I write it, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm always in my own head. I'm my own worst critic. I'm like, I am really good at scaring myself out of doing stuff. (laughs) So this was like a lot of fun. I knew it was going to be a big undertaking since I had to just post up in a studio somewhere and record like an entire band's worth of ours. But I did it. It was (laughs) cool. How long did that take? Um, I got, so I did it at Boxcar Studios, which is outside of Toronto in a city called Hamilton. That's where Two Mold records all their records too. I got there on a Thursday night, dropped off all my gear. We dialed in a little bit of the amps. We started on Friday. We got done Sunday by lunchtime. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Friday, like Friday, we yeah. we banged out what, what I would have called song one and two, which was In Cypher I Weep and Adorned in Lies. I think that's all we did. Mm. And then on, on Saturday, we did Dream on Ending, Tide Turns Eternal, and then The Needful, uh, which was that like that was one of the like best days I've ever had just recording that music and working with Sean, the engineer, who he was so crucial in making this record good. Because when I showed up, he showed me this this pedal called the Strymon Night Sky, which I now own one. But he was like, I bought this last week and I feel like we could use it. And oh. it's just this reverb pedal that has all sorts of just different shimmering effects. OK. And then we use that with this other like weird delay loop envelope pedal called mood by chase bliss and which i also have one now but we used those just to create all the clean sound and we did like stereo we amped it stereo wise and by the time we hit dream on ending we had all that stuff so dialed in that when we got to that big clean part in the middle it that was just such a pleasure to record and we were felt so good and then we did the title track tide turns eternal and that was just amazing too and then it was like maybe only six six o'clock i was like it's too early to stop <laughs> so why don't we take a dinner break come back and bang out the last song and then on sunday we did the two little interlude tracks and then it was done wow and then sent it to mix yeah that's <laughs> crazy what yeah. about like what about all the other stuff though because i know there's a lot of little you know, like the organ that's in there. Oh, yeah. Or so like... that stuff was my dad. So my dad did all the, like, the pian- like there's piano, just a little bit of piano in, in Adorned and Lies, just those, like, big bass notes that he hits. 
Mm-hmm. And then he did the organ and in Cypher I Weep. And then he I love played. That organ part. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. then he played um like a Jupiter synth underneath the big clean part in Dream Unending, which just gives it so much, so much depth. But he got that done ahead of time. So oh, okay. I had sent him the demos that I sent to Justin. I was like, this is exactly what I want you to do. And then he did it. And then I just took those. We took those parts and like plugged them in after the fact. And then they got mixed in accordingly. But um, and then Justin did vocals at his house, sent it all to Arthur and then mixed the puppy. That's so cool to have your dad on that, though. That's got to just be like a cool thing. Well, it was it was definitely cool. Um, it's, you know, the, the thing of it is, is I can't play piano or keyboard. Like I know how to play a little bit, but not in any way that I would ever say I could. Yeah. So some sometimes you have these ideas and if you don't have anyone to pull it off, you just sort of are like, well, fuck it then. Like, I can't yeah. do it. But my dad is, well, he's a piano player, but he's also like a freak for MIDI. Um, because he, when he was growing up in the 80s, he was buying MIDI synthesizers, like a lot of stuff from Roland. And he just never gave it up. So okay. if I'm like, I need an organ sound, he's got it. If I need any sort of like synthesized sample, he's got it on a patch somewhere, wow. box, like whatever. That's kind of nice. Yeah. So... I didn't know he now owns a Jupiter synth, but he was just using like a Jupiter synth sample through one of his Roland boxes for the record. But I didn't ask him to pick Jupiter. I think he just was like, this one will be best. So I just trusted him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it is great. Uh, just having that, like it's, it's helpful that he can do all that, but it was also sick because my dad loves music. He never was in any bands or anything like that. So it's like, well, do you want to like be on this album? Like just a little spot. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then it's great because then when I'm like done writing the next record, I just send him everything. And I'm like, this is exactly what I need from you. You have lots of months to do it. And he's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> it's like so really cool. handy to have. And then I get to credit him on the album. Like, right. It's, I think it's yeah, awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, I'm pumped. He's he's such a big help with all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm like just so grateful for it. What about like, um, you know, you've got like the spoken word part, you know, in, in Dream on Ending. So that, like, that's a pretty powerful moment. Like who's doing that? And like, what is that? Yeah, about? so that was funny. I, I, okay, I had written that part and that's where the band name came from. I had pitched Justin on the name first and he liked it. So we went with it. And then I had told him sometime later, it was from this sort of thing I wrote and I showed it to him and I I said, it would actually be kind of cool if someone spoke it in the song. And he was down for it, which I was, which I was happy about. Um, And I really, I find we were talking about Blue Nile earlier. I really wanted Paul Buchanan, the singer of that band to speak it. Cool. (laughs) So, but I was like, how the fuck do I get in touch with this guy? Right. Yeah. Like this, this like a uh, very accomplished guy living in Glasgow. And I didn't get in touch with him. That's basically what happened. <laughs> I got in touch with his publicist. And I said, Hey, I don't know if you still work for him, but I'm trying to get in touch with him. I have this idea for a thing. And he was like, I'll send it to Paul's manager and you should hear back from him or them. I never did. So I just, wow, fuck it. I didn't even want to warrant the follow up. I think I was just so, like unnecessarily burned by the fact that I got left on red, essentially <laughs> that I was like, well, fuck him and fuck that. And then yeah, yeah. I talked to Justin about it. I talked to Dave from 20 bucks spin a lot about it. Cause I was like, I have no goddamn idea who I'm going to get to do this. Yeah. And I just like, I was thinking about it and 
my favorite book of all time is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Um, it's a great book. I've read it more than once. But when I read it the first time, I was so enthralled by it that when I couldn't read it, I would listen to the audiobook. Wow. So let's say I was, you know, walking somewhere. Well, I can't read while I walk. So I'll listen to where I, wherever I left off. Hmm. The mm-hmm. thing of it is, though, is I got so I got so um, wrapped up in the narrator's voice, Richard Poe, that I, I just kind of blasted through most of the book on audio instead. It was like, I just love having this guy read it to me. Yeah. His voice is like, it's so strong and powerful and like it's timeless. He sounds like this weird mix of like Ray Wise, who played like Leland from Twin Peaks and Vincent Price. Like he's just got he's got range and he's got feeling. That's really cool. So sometimes those audiobooks, it's like it kind of takes uh, away from it. Yeah, but. like some of them are so bad. <laughs> yeah, I I was corresponding with a with a with a writer, um, and I wanted to say to him, next time you write a book, you should just get this guy to narrate it. <laughs> and it's not a knock against the people. Well, yeah, like I've listened to a couple. It's this author Jeff Perlman, and he writes just books about different sports teams or sports players. And I've read maybe four or five of them and a couple I listened to on audiobook. And it's like, yeah, this would have been better if you just had someone else reading it, you yeah. know? Yeah. But you also shouldn't tell other people how to do their job. It's also <laughs> not his call. But anyways, so this guy, Richard Poe, has done just like a like a, a lot of audiobooks. He's also done – he was also on Star Trek The Next Generation for like two or three episodes. Okay. I think he shows up again on Star Trek Voyager for an episode. He plays a Cardassian named Golovek. Um, so I was like, well, this dude's cool. And I love his voice. He's got a website. I'll just email through the contact page. And I sent him a note. I said, I'm a big fan of your voice. Just like a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah. And I just was like, East of Eden is my favorite book. You did such a great job narrating it. Like your voice is just burned in my brain for eternity at this point. Um, I'm writing this record and I have this part where I would like a spoken word section. Do you think you'd be interested? And he was like, it's a really strange request. So yes, I am interested. I was like, all right, great. Um, I sent him, I sent him the scribbles. And, uh, at this point, I think I had, I had tracked, we had tracked by this point. Like I had gone to the studio. So I had just like the, the rough mix outs from what I recorded which was just, I thought, a little better than sending him GarageBand demos. Right. I wanted to at least seem like I was somewhat professional. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I'm not at all. But he was, was like, yeah, this is this is cool. Uh, I'll do it. It'll be great. Um, and then he did it. It was I have like a wave file somewhere where it's him reading it like three or four different times mm. and then just saying the last line like three or four different times. <laughs> and yeah. I remember hearing it and being like, Holy shit. Because it's one thing to write something. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to hear someone with actual like gravity in their voice to say it. Where it's like, oh, this actually makes it sound good. You know? Right. Oh, uh, man. It works so good. And I mean, yeah, his voice. And then, like you said before, the way that it just slides into that lead. I mean, just like yeah. oh, that whole climax of that song, man. It just like you said, it just brings the whole album together. Yeah. It's a really so cool. Yeah. It's a really good. It's a really good moment. And then. And when I heard it like mixed and I remember mm. telling Arthur, I was trying to explain to him what I wanted. And I was so I was I think I like I think I tried to tell him to go crazy with it. And he didn't, which was good. I think I was just so self-conscious of it because, mm. you know, it's one thing if you write lyrics and then you get someone to like sing them gutturally. 
Yeah. It's yeah. another thing to just put something so like like it's so naked, like on display. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also said to him, and I remember in an, in an email to Arthur, I said, "Do you remember that scene in like the original Superman movie where?" Uh, Superman like sees Marlon Brando's like disembodied head, Jor-El, and he's like talking. It's like it should sound like that, and then it does, <laughs> and it's like fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a funny way to like explain yeah. it. <laughs> I remember I remember Justin like sending me a text being like, "That's the most perfect way to like <laughs> to explain that," and I was like, "Yeah, I think so too." And then he pulled it off, and I remember I sent it to Richard after, and he was like, "Yeah, sounds great." Uh, like you know, honored to or like like. Glad to be an honorary metal man or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, it was like a real, that was like a real, that was a real fun thing. I felt like it was purely for me, but mm-hmm. other people seemed to like it, which is cool. But I was like, yeah, it was like, that was, I wanted, I just, that was for me more than anything. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But I mean, like, so, cause that part hits on like the, the, name of the album and this like what do you want to say like what that goes into like the name of the band i'm not the name of the album the name of the band and all of that or i think a lot of a lot of the stuff to do on to do with dream on ending it sort of deals with um in like abstract ways like sort of um like just experience in general like our existence while it may be linear it has maybe been longer than we thought um and the fact because we just keep moving forward through time and we have to we have to continue growing and you have to come to terms with stuff. I think a lot of the record is about like just coming to terms with maybe your fears or just anything at all. And it deals with the spiritual. Justin and I are both pretty spiritual dudes. We're not subscribed to any fixed religion or anything like that, but we talk about like the value of our soul and things we believe in and um, who we might talk to when we are just sitting there thinking or when we're meditating, whatever it might be. Um, and I think like the, I think the, the poem, that part is sort of about like almost like meeting yourself from a previous life hmm. because I think our souls, I think there's something inside of us and in all of us that's like completely unique to us, but it, it might, it might uh, outdate us if that makes sense. Maybe it's a thing that continues to exist after our, our physical selves leave this plane. So like, yeah, I believe in the soul. Like I'm a really big fan. Okay. We have a quote in the insert of the record by Khalil Gibran, uh, about the soul. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, it plays a big part. And, um, so the, that whole, that whole section is almost about like coming, like meeting yourself, but it's not you, but it is, Mm. Um, and almost just it's the when it comes in in the record it's almost like a turning point of the album you have this this guy or this figure who's just like searching and and questioning and those like first three songs like adorned in lies in cipher i weep the needful like if you read those from a lyrical perspective they are very much like conflict like someone someone expressing their conflict maybe with themselves with other things around them and then there's this moment where it's um you're like being visited by someone and they're giving you advice. And then after that, like if you read the lyrics after that poem in Dream Unending, like there's a very tonal shift in the album. And then Tide Turns Eternal just builds on that. And it was sort of it was almost like the clean spoken parts had to be these almost affirmations um, of hope, 
I suppose. Mm -hmm. I think we wanted to write something that was sort of hopeful and positive yeah. without without being posy or anything like that. Like it's yeah. very it's it's not just it's not overt, I suppose. But um yeah, so like the idea like that line, I live the same dream you live is like there's something yeah, like we experience some there's something inside of us that is experiencing what we're experiencing now, but I think maybe was here before us. Who knows how long? Mm -hmm. How long will it live? I also like really like uh, I read this book called Journey of Souls, which was written by a gentleman named Michael. Oh, his name escapes me. I'm just going to look it up. Michael Newton. And it is all these accounts of like regression hypnosis. Um, What's that? So someone gets put under uh, hypnosis and then they start recalling a past life. OK. Oh, interesting. And, and they and in it, even they they will remember or they'll speak out loud um, their soul in it almost like in a different plane in between lives, almost like uh, meeting with these uh, like mentors or guardians that watch over that soul. It's very like it's very heady stuff. And a yeah. lot of people will just roll their eyes at it. And that's fine. It's like totally cool. But like I, I find it really interesting. Um, I've always believed in I mean. If you believe in ghosts, like you must believe in something that mm -hmm. is beyond this plane. Um, right. So, and and maybe I mean I don't know if you've ever seen one, but I have not. Okay, I have. Uh, a long Interesting. Time ago. Yeah, and maybe that plays a role in it. Maybe that's why I find this stuff so fascinating. What's the story with that? Okay, so I was in Florida on a family trip when I was six years old, and we were staying at a Best Western hotel in Orlando, Florida. We we're on the top. It was like one of those two floors uh, motels, like a, where all the doors are outside. You know, oh, no, yeah, yeah, no yeah. Inside building. Well, on the upper floor, where my sister and I are sharing the bed closer to the door, and there's a table there too. And I remember I fell asleep on the side of the bed, further away from the door. And I woke up in the middle of the night on the side closer to the door, and I looked up, and on the table was like a full figure apparition, standing there. Okay. <laughs> and a green aura. It was a man. It really looked like a man. Kind of older. He didn't do anything. He didn't say anything. I just laid there and I just stared at him for probably like 45 minutes. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you, you were calm or? Yeah, I was. I think I was probably in shock a little bit. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do, so I did nothing. And then after a okay. while, I just closed my eyes. I fell asleep. I woke up the next day. And as we were getting ready to leave, I said to my sister, I said, I saw the strangest thing last night. And she said, the ghost. <laughs> and I said, you saw it? And she's like, why do you think I rolled over you? And really? I was like, oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, leave your, leave your kid brother to deal with it. That's <laughs> How old were you guys? I was six and she would have been 12. Okay. And yeah. it just always stuck with me. I yeah, just, and well, I, I'm sure it did, man. But I never, I've never had any real paranormal exist, like, experience since. It was like, I guess it was like a one-time thing. Yeah, but it was. I mean, I look back. That at it makes now a lot of sense, context-wise, as far as like you know, like yeah. all, all that. Because I was gonna say, so what made you get interested in that? Like thinking so hard about, is, you know, is, is there a soul? Where does yeah. that come from? Where is that going? And and how does that work? But like that's that would make you do a lot of some some deep thinking about that for sure. And I just like I think I you know when I was your six, you can't really internalize that stuff too hard because yeah. you're still really stupid. And now as a slightly less stupid, you know, 33-year-old guy, I can think about it more and place it into a larger context of just how I feel about things in general. 
Yeah. And I gave, you know, so I talked to Justin about this stuff and he's not like, we're not completely of the same mind, but we have a lot of similar views. I can't speak for him, obviously. What do you think that sort of thing is? I mean, what? Like, like you have a ghost or what, you know, is that like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like Like I, where does that fit? I don't know. Like I just, I've always found, you know what it is, Jason, is that I have a crippling fear of dying because I don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. And you talk to your average person, like when you die, that's it. Just black screen, mm-hmm. you know, red ring yeah. of death or whatever. Yeah. And that terrifies me to no end. And I think, you know what it is too, even though this wasn't a pandemic ban, I think probably like experiencing a pandemic just kind of makes you realize like there's nothing worse than time squandered. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I mean, I guess I've always kind of felt that. I mean, when when we would talk about Tumul doing so much stuff at once, but it's like, don't you want to take a break? And it's like, no, like we don't have time to take a break. Who knows mm. when the wheels fall off, right? Yeah. And then it's kind of glad we did everything because the pandemic hit and that really fucked over a lot of bands, man. Like, if you had, like imagine having plans to tour like a lot, you just put out a record, and then boom, like that sucks. If that to have that taken away from you, if that's your livelihood, like goddamn. Yeah, like for sure. Go fill out that McDonald's application. You're gonna be here a mm-hmm. while. Like right. So, right. and maybe that also just like kind of kicks me into gear of like I want to do this. Yeah. Maybe it's why like I've already written an, like another dream and ending record. You know, stuff like that where it's just like you don't know how long you've got. Mm-hmm. And I try not to be paralyzed with fear over that stuff, but it plays a role in like my day to day life. I think that's good though. I, I think like so. I've been wanting to get a tattoo for a long time, you know, like a memento mori, like some kind of a yeah. I, I don't know what, but something that makes you think every day. This isn't forever, man. Like, what do you want to do today? How do yeah. you want to live? Because otherwise, man, it's like it's sometimes it's easier to think about that stuff. Maybe when there's a pandemic or something that fucks things up for a man, and you have to reconsider. Otherwise, oh, you kind of start that coast, and you're just. So easy no, to fall into that like rhythm of whatever the bullshit, you know. Yeah, it's it's terrifying, and I think I I like you know I read, I I can't just I can't just be like well, I need to find I need to I need to find something to believe in. Like I can't just show up to a church and be like okay, like this is my jam now. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna ride with Jizo till the end, right, and right. I wish I could. I talk to people who are of like of, of an organized faith about this stuff all the time because I mm-hmm. need it. I need someone to bounce this stuff off of. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, but yeah, it just uh, I guess I just you slowly kind of carve out like what you think might be. Um, and I like, you know, I read some books about that will that will make references to either to the Bible or the Quran or, or whatever, just like of those life lessons and thinking spiritually and whatnot. Uh and I, I do find that stuff helpful. And yeah, so I guess like, it's like, I always make the joke that Dream and Ending is a Christian rock band, even though we're not Christian. It's just like, <laughs> we identify more with that side of life, I guess, than, than another, yeah. right? Doom is such a, it just seems like such an, like a nihilistic genre. I mean, metal in general, I guess, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong with that. No, but... Um, you don't hear, I mean, spiritual topics isn't the main theme, you know, no. unless it's like in, in, in the typical way, you know, yeah. the devil or whatever. The devil yeah. or like, you have, a, really you, have a, you have a better shot, like, 
being a band like I don't know Agalock or Wolves in the Throne Room where you, you can talk about nature. Yeah, nature is cool, right? Because like especially in black metal, because they're like I hate all people. I just want to hang out in the woods with my dog or whatever it might be. So yeah. it's that's more relatable. But like, sure. um, it's a little harder if you're like if you want to like think think like big brain about mm-hmm. existence and whatnot. Right. Yeah. But that's fine. It's it's yeah, it's it is hard to quantify. Like I could sit here and think about it for like three hours and then I couldn't give you like a coherent answer. Like right. I try I my I try my best. But it's cool that you're thinking it and you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. What more can you really do? Yeah, it's like I some people pray. I don't pray, but I like to, I talk out loud when I'm alone a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh and I you know, to anything that might be listening almost. Mm. And it helps me. Like it's good for me. Yeah. I mean, and someone could say, well, that's just self-talk. Like, you know, that's like a very, you know, basic therapeutic uh, tactic and great if it is. But, whatever uh, works. Yeah, whatever works. And it's, yeah, it's good. So, you know, we take some of that stuff and we put it into Dream Unending and it gives it a, an interesting, interesting flair. I think so, it does because I haven't obviously been able to di- like dig into the lyrics. I don't ha- you know, I don't have the lyrics, but I'm excited to do that because I think, yeah. You can pick up, you know, enough from the album and it gives it this different kind of feel. But that's for about sure. as far as I can go until you can really read into it, which yeah. it makes it cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it was funny. I remember I sent I sent all the lyrics to because uh, Justin wrote all the lyrics except like the clean parts, mm. like the the poem and the, the part my friend McKenna sings in the last song. I wrote that and okay. but he wrote all the stuff he sings and his lyrics are are just incredible. Like, I can't stress enough how, how good they are. And I knew they would be good, but I didn't know what what um, what approach he would take. Yeah. And they're just they're just incredible. Like they're very they're very, very good. I remember I sent it to my bandmate Payson from Tomb Mold. Yeah. I was like, Can you proofread this just to make sure like on the insert, can you make sure there's no spelling errors? Because like I just need a third fourth set of eyes. And he was like, Oh, there's like this one thing here, there's one thing there, that's it. And I was like, Oh, thanks so much. He's like did you write these? I was like, no, it was Justin. He was just like, what? I was like, yeah, because when he thinks of Justin, he thinks of like all the like the hardcore bands he played in, like No Tolerance and Bind Eraser, which is all good stuff, but it's just different, right? Yeah. And he's like, God, I could have swore you wrote this. Wrote this. I'm like, no, man, I didn't write. I wrote barely any of it. Yeah. He's like, man, these are incredible. And I was like, yeah, it's like really good stuff. Um, especially the tight the title track, Tide Turns Eternal, I think. Uh, really, I think really hits home what we want to say, which is kind of crucial. I think if you're going to have a title track, that should be the song that you use to really like get your point across. So we have two title tracks in a way because we have the band name track, which I think is also sick. Like I think it's like I love when bands would have a song <laughs> named after their yeah. band. No it's one does time to do it too yeah. to debut. You know, yeah. No one does that. I... It. I think more people should. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. We have the actual album title track, um, which closes the album. So, yeah, uh, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> we were just talking lyrics, really. Okay. But yeah. You were just, yeah. I mean, it just like I said, man, you, like you can tell it, you can tell it's all there, but it's going to it's going to be one of those where you can really sit down with it and, and read through it because it's so it's like when you know an album like i don't i don't always read lyrics to an album it just depends what no. it is if it's if it's does, demands it or not and, I, and then i'll look into them do but you, sometimes you don't even need it it's just like 
if you if I know what they're talking about, yeah, it gives it that third layer or whatever you want to call yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Well, but, I I guess it also depends on. I mean, if you're listening to a record with like clean singing, maybe you don't need to listen or read the lyrics yeah, right. because you just if especially like, like I don't, I probably never looked at the lyrics for like I mean just to go back to something we talked about like I don't I've never read the lyrics for something's got to give pretty soon by drive by truckers but i know all the <laughs> right. words i know what that song's about and that's the byproduct of when you like something so much you listen to it so many goddamn times that you're just yeah. you're there right yeah yeah but with certain certain metal records yeah for sure like i remember i mean i try to stress people read the lyrics because i just i do find it adds a layer mm-hmm. of stuff it's like you know it's one thing to listen to Nespith by Demolik. It's another thing to read the lyrics while you listen. You know what I mean? Then you're just like, oh, you. shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a lot. It different. adds a lot. Yeah. yeah. I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, it, you don't, do, there's so much music. You can't do it for everything, but if you really like an album, I feel like it's worth it. I would, dive in a little I would bit, agree. You know? I hope, I, I'm like, I hope people take a minute to read Justin's lyrics for this one. Yeah. Uh, I think it seems to really, well, I'll say like the the title track is great. Um, I think what happened was I think before Justin wrote any of the lyrics to "Tide Turns Eternal," I had that two line part already written, hmm. and he was sort of like, "Oh, I'll build the song around that." I think, um, and that was just like another it's like another like the final message of this, of the album, which is basically like it's a message of hope, I suppose. Like it's just life goes on, man. Like mm-hmm. you just I like keep, that. you keep moving forward. Like yeah. the soul's a wave and the tide turns eternal. I think it's pretty right. self explanatory. Yeah, that one is. I I love that. And it's a perfect way to end it. I think so. And I think it's a, like we I mean, we all are the victims of like living in our own head a little too much sometimes. We all live with regret, I suppose, right? Uh, if I could have done this differently or if I could have dad that. It's mm-hmm. like the list of things you didn't say that you should have said or mm-hmm. the letter you write that you never send, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but you can't dwell on that stuff forever. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to just let go. I think letting go is like a really nice thing to do with your life. If you want to hang, like imagine hanging on to anger, like just forever. Right. It just burn you alive, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. And I just, I agree. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I don't want Justin to do that. He doesn't. So it's good. Thank God. But, um, I think that was just like a thing we wanted to get across and it was fun to, you know, write something kind of positive. Well, that's what's cool too. Cause I mean, like you said, a lot of doom isn't so much going that territory. Like you kind of explored the more, you know, the, the normal emotions in the first half, but then gave something different on that back half, which yeah. is, is cool, you know? And I think, I think I had to write it for me. Like, mm-hmm. I think I had to tell myself that I think living <laughs> when I was living back home especially during the pandemic i didn't see anyone i didn't really talk to many people i walked away from like social media like pretty pretty much and if you ever want to get in your own head just spend enough time alone and you will Mm -hmm. and i'm really good at like convincing myself that like uh i'm not worth a damn um even though I'll have people tell me otherwise, I'm just like, no, like this is how it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, I could, I could, I could sit here and convince myself that like, 
every every band I play in, like they're just putting up with me or something. Like I could convince myself the worst sure. possible scenario. So it was almost like I needed to write this to tell myself that like you need to relax and you just need to keep moving forward. You mm. know what I mean? That's yeah. why writing music is so nice. Like you write things, you make it, it's done, you move on. And mm-hmm. I find that like so liberating. And it's it's funny because there's nothing I love more than when bands go on tour and play like an anniversary of a record, you know, mm-hmm. even though if you were like, Hey, like this record you made came out five years ago. Do you want to commemorate it? I'd be like, no, like I'm, I don't care. Like I just yeah. want to meet, keep moving forward. But I love when other bands do it. Like I love that. <laughs> I was just going to yeah, say <laughs> like a few years back, Payson and I went to see you uh, two because they were playing okay. the album, the Joshua tree in its yeah. entirety. And we're the only people we really know that care about you two. Because for most okay. people, especially anyone, because you're what, my age, right? You're like 32, mm-hmm. 33. Yeah. Anyone who can't remember them before like the year 2000. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's not cool. Like, you know what I mean? Even though yeah. like you throw on October and you just don't tell someone it's you two, they'll be like, this is an amazing post-punk album. And you're like, yeah, it's right, you right. Like, so you can't you, deny the Joshua tree. I God, mean, no, you can't put that out. I remember buying that when I was some young age and just yeah, like, yeah, what's yeah. you two all about? I mean, that was a powerful thing when you haven't oh, heard God, it before. Yeah. Like, you know? I mean, still. And I mean, it's funny. I sent, I bought this, I bought this delay pedal recently and it's a digital delay pedal. And I sent my bandmate Payson, who I went to the show with, I was like this, if I turn this pedal on, I sound like the edge. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But yeah. we went to that show and we watched them play this album that was, I guess it would have been the 25th or 30th anniversary. Okay. I think that album was 80, was that 87? Uh, that that album yeah, see, came out? Uh, I believe it was. That would make the most sense. Uh, sorry. I got 87. Yeah. So we okay. went in 2017. Nice. So that makes sense. Yeah. And it was an, it was an incredible set. Like watching them play, it was amazing, and like the the mem like the memory of going with Payson was like almost better. It was like yeah. I'm so glad we did this thing. Like I I'm it's just it's a it's a I think about it a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's but, awesome. But in my head, I'm like <laughs> I don't want to like commemorate anything I do. I just want to keep <laughs> moving forward. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it's like people, a couple people who I've have talked to since about Dream Unending. Have been like, are you guys gonna play shows or anything? I was like, we'll make another album first, and then we'll worry mm. about playing shows because like we're still pr- pretty deep in this uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know shows are happening again and whatnot, but logistically speaking, it's very hard to travel from Canada to the U.S. Like cases, like I had probably spent upwards of four hundred bucks on COVID tests just to go to and fro wow. last week. Yeah. So like this isn't this is still like happening. Mm-hmm. So. I'm like, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to try. Um, yeah, I get it, man. That's a yeah. lot to have fall apart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was supposed to go to a show, see Coulter Wall from. That's right. From Sus- by you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's from Saskatchewan you- or Manitoba. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Okay. That's a couple provinces over, which means that's like a three day drive. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. I was just so looking forward to it. And, yeah. uh, you know. Just with all the changing things. I mean, it, when you're in the States, I mean, every state has a different oh, rule, dude. different order. Like, I mean, it changes literally day to day, hour to hour. How, how do you really plan for that? So uh, a couple days before we left, I guess we left, we started our drive back last Thursday. 
So the Wednesday before that, we went to a show in Delaware, in Arden, Delaware. I don't know anything about Arden, but I know there's a hall there that we went to. or like Arden Guild Hall or something. And we saw Yola Tango. Do you know Yola Tango? Just a couple songs. Okay. Like, um, like a very... You got that one, like, like fall... Uh, fall... Something about fall in it. I don't know. Okay. They, like, a very accomplished indie rock band. Been together yeah. since the 80s. One of my favorite bands. And my wife noticed, oh, like, they're playing a show in Delaware on this tour. And you can only get tickets if you go to the record store. Should I get two? I was like, yes, that'd be great. So it was like this, never going to be able to see Yola Tango in a venue that small. They played for like two and a half hours. It was sick, right? Okay. But before the gig started, like it was a, it was a, an event where you're like, show your vaccine proof and have yeah. a mask. It's all good. I was worried because it was like, I'm from Canada. I was like, please accept my proof of a vaccine from Canada, mm-hmm. which I, I have. So mm-hmm. it's fine. But the one of the gentlemen putting on the show um, just said a few words before they took the stage, just saying, hey. <laughs> We're all pumped to be here. Keep your mask on. And he said that a few weeks ago he went and saw Nico Case play somewhere. And it was a very good show and everyone was respectful of the, of the rules. But I think a couple shows later she played a venue where not as many people gave a shit. She ended up catching COVID and had mm. to cancel the rest of the tour. So it's like that's what is, that is what you're dealing with. Yeah. Right? And if you're going yeah. on a tour, I had some other friends go on a tour uh, just recently with Bob Mould from Husker Du. Oh, okay. And they were in the they were playing in a band opening for him. And there was all these things in place, right? All these guidelines, these protocols. So they, yeah. they never really got to hang like if you're in a band on tour with another band, like if that band like just like stay away from us for most of the tour, you have to stay away from them, right? And you can't take a merch person, you can't talk to the crowd. Mm. Like what fun is going on tour to play shows if you can't hang out after? You know what right. I mean? Like right. the, the best part of playing gigs usually is interacting with the audience like after the fact mm-hmm. or beforehand like there's nothing more fun uh unless you're just like so over that and you just sit in a trailer sure. and you don't come out so you have to take the stage singer of candle yeah. corpse you know what i mean like it's just it's different for everybody <laughs> sure yeah. yeah i get that but man because I, I went to my first show a few weeks back now in detroit right yeah and uh you know it was gate creeper and it was a knock loose tour right and Part of it, I mean, I've seen Gatekeeper many times, always fun, but uh, my 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 brother-in-law, like, he's never been to a heavy show. Okay. And so he loves Knock Loose. Like, that's oh, his, really? He'll put that on, he'll go oh, to the gym. Sick. And he, like, loves that. So yes. I was like, man, I would love to take you experience this. You know, for someone who's never, I mean, it was yeah, so yeah, fun, yeah, too, yeah. because seeing that through someone else's eyes, like, it's like, you take it for granted. Like, oh, there's people jumping around. There's yeah. this intense music that you just, you know, it's... Yes. But someone who's new to it, it's it's very intense. Yeah. So that was very cool. But, but the main point I was going to say was I did feel a little weird, though. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. This was not a strict one. They didn't require you to have like a vaccine. Oh, really? Or anything like that. I mean, it's a small venue, so there wasn't a lot of people, but it was very tightly packed. Yeah. And like, man, I mean, you know. Yeah, no. Usually, I mean, I'm vaccinated, but I'm still no, in there. It, like, man. this is it. tightly packed. I've had my, so, I've had my uh, two shots, tough. and I'm, I was still, I was so stressed out for my one week in America, mostly because it, w- it was imperative that I test negative to return to Canada. And it was, oh yeah, it was imperative that Liz, my wife, tested negative as well, right? Yeah, and she, she would say I was shell shocked by how many like unmasked people i saw which is true i was i was definitely like yeah. freaked out 
because up here, like our mask, we've never had like our mask mandates have been here since I can't remember. You know what I mean? Like we've never yep. really budged on much of anything here. So it's it's less like Wild West different. feeling. Um, and yeah. there. And our vax rates are really good in Canada, especially in Ontario. That. But we're still pretty strict about it. And now we have those those more strict mandates about if you want to come to this place or eat inside, you have to show proof of a vaccine. And mm-hmm. we don't have to get into that stuff because like sure. nothing. <laughs> I don't think people have ever felt more like galvanized and politicizing something than this pandemic. I ran into an old coworker. He's a bit older than me. And I asked him, I was like, if this had happened in the 1980s, do you think we would have had this much division? And he was like, no. Like, he's like, no, no way. Everyone would have come together, worn a goddamn mask. George Harrison would have held a concert <laughs> and it would have been fine. Right, right. You know what right, I mean? Right. But like, yeah, I feel just, you. It's, I mean, we just don't live in that age anymore. <laughs> no, now you have so much stuff at like your fingertips. It's almost scary. I think that's yeah. like, would really like, I think I just like, and I think like, I'm really glad I just didn't look at a lot of social media during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, man. Because it's fucking horrible, man. Dude, like it's yeah. It like makes my heart hurt sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I stay off like the main like Facebook's face, the minefield for me, Facebook so I just is, usually yeah. avoid it. Facebook's I mean, scary. Luckily, my algorithms on there are mostly groups, you know. <laughs> so it's like a couple groups that I'm in, and like it, I mostly don't see <laughs> all that other stuff. And you know, I just don't spend a lot of time on there because, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, in real life, it's not quite so bad. Like. No, most of the people I'm, I mean, you know, sometimes, but most of the people I'm talking to, there's some level headedness. Maybe you disagree, but yeah, you know, you can come together on parts of things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, but, you know, there's like things where I'm like, like, I am like, this is fucking stupid, but I still do it anyways. Cause I'm like, I just, <laughs> I don't need to like, it's like, I, the, the, I don't want to be lumped. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I hate like so much of the like side of the spectrum that I identify with. I find it just so performative and full of shit (laughs) and it makes, it makes me wince, but it's way better than like being on like the Joe Rogan side of things where I'm taking horse dewormer and I'm telling people (laughs) that like, I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like you can't, you can't win at all in this. It's almost better to just, just like mind your own business and just, and reject everything. Um, I get it. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) <laughs> so you um oh go ahead go ahead well i wanted to ask because before we get off too much of the dream on ending stuff yeah yeah you brought it up a while back about how like there were like you wrote i think you wrote some of it like while you were watching like a lot of those certain movies oh yeah for sure and like i watched m- most of them yeah there was a while back so i had some time because i seriously you have, like, like the unfair advantage of like i have your phone number so i just get to punish you with text <laughs> messages i like i talk to you more than i talk to like a lot of people and i just like <laughs> it's fun i like i like picking your brain about music and like what you've been up to but then i'm like yeah you have to watch this you have to movies, watch this i love the movie recommendations because i don't really have anyone giving me like good and I'm out, man. Once I had a kid, yeah, I used to pay attention to everything. I'd, I'd oh, find a director, I'd watch yeah. them all. Yeah, who has and now, time now, dude? I mean, he's up at six a.m. I can't stay up, and you know, it's usually yeah. me and my wife will watch something together, so we you know compromise. <laughs> yeah, so I like that. the movies you sent me, it was like I got a, I, <laughs> I stretched it out, and I I got through almost all of them, but I was still curious, like so how. Like, I don't, you know, how did that, like, play into that album? I think, and, like, um, I guess review that, the movies that you were watching at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, like, I think, um, 
I think what's what's so what's so helpful like watching movies is great because I think I wanted this movie to be or this album to be somewhat cinematic in the sense that it was self-contained but it had a narrative of sorts it flowed well everything made sense you know what I mean like a mm-hmm. well-constructed movie making a movie seems really hard like make so some people making an album might seem hard to me it's way more like I can, I understand it yeah so it's like I can I can piece it together like I can already think of like, like after a while like it's like I, I knew how everything on tide turns was gonna go almost right mm-hmm. had the formatting worked out and all this stuff um which was gonna be a question because it's yeah, uh, you well, stole the word. I mean, it's so cinematic. Yeah, for sure. The and, feel of it and the sequencing. I mean, you must have put a lot of thought into that. Well, I didn't realize it was going to be that. Like, I mean, it was good. And then Arthur mixed it. And then it became like really good. Like, yeah, okay. He brought out. A, like, and I mean, it's like it's like the equivalent of having having an editor or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like a sound mm-hmm. mixer. He just brought all the like. He, any any life that had to be brought forward was brought forward. Like you know what I mean. He just yeah, he just did such a good job. But watching movies like um, well, we talked about um, Kagamusha, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that movie is well. It's great. Like it's so good. Um, and I'm, that like that one is is interesting because uh, he's it's a better movie. I don't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially about a, 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 an imposter, right? Yeah. Like a, uh, someone who isn't who they are, which like I guess I resonate with in some weird way because sometimes I feel like I have imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't like there are people who think I make records that are good or I write songs that are good. And I just don't ever want it. I don't want to go. I don't ever want it to go to my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I like who am I? I am just some swinging dick on this planet. Like it's not <laughs> a big deal. Um, but that movie has this amazing dream sequence, like right, right in the middle. Um, and like I remember, I sent that scene or like screenshots from that to Matthew Jaffe, who did the artwork, mm-hmm. the record. I was like, this, like I want this, but with like this. And we talked on the phone about it a few times, which was awesome. But yeah. And he just like these like just these like super colorful like the album art is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like it's yeah. So it's just it makes beautiful. it when you look at that, it's like when you're listening to it, man, it's just like it really ties it together. Yeah. And I knew we'll get back to the movies in a second. I knew yeah. Matthew was gonna do the artwork before I even wrote a song. Like I had I had gone into touch with him through Jesse Jacoby, who did the album cover for Planetary Clairvoyance by Two Mold. He yeah. also did the logo for Dream on Ending, oh, which nice. was awesome because I was like, "Will you do a logo for me?" And he's like, "I don't. I've never done a logo before." And I'm like, "I know. I that's why. Logo. I know it's so good." I was like, "That's why I want you to do it because you don't do logos." And I was like, "And I don't want like drippy <laughs> letters. Like I want something super okay. elegant. I want it to be like almost like a crest, like a yeah. seal, <laughs> um, with the, with the initials DU." And he just did a phenomenal job. But I met Matthew through Jesse like via Instagram some years back. And I was a fan of Matthew's artwork because I actually have a I had a book by him or a book where he did the uh, book cover. Hmm. Um, it's this collection of short stories called Occultation by Laird Barron, who's an incredible writer who big influence on Tomb Mold for sure. So okay. I knew I liked his art and I have a, I have another book with his artwork as well on the cover. But 
um, we just got to talking. He was a fan of Tomb Mold, and I was like, I actually have this other band that I'm kind of working on, or I will work on eventually, and I would love if you maybe did the artwork for it. And he was like, yeah, like whenever you get around to it, just let me know, and we'll get serious about it. And then we started kind of outlining when we were going to make this record, and I was like, okay, it's time to get serious. Contacted him, gave him an idea of what the band was about, sent him a couple sound samples of like demos and lyrics and uh, the poem and whatnot. And we kind of drew the whole, he drew the whole album cover based around the song Dream mm-hmm. Ending. And the, the best thing he asked through the whole process was he was like, what medium do you want? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, do you want like oil painting? Do you want watercolor? Or do you want pastel? And I was like, wait, like pastel is an option? <laughs> he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, we have to do pastel. Like it just, just like some of the bright colors in pastel, they just blaze. You know what I mean? They're just bursting with this intensity mm-hmm. and it just looks so good. So like it definitely, we talked a lot about the stuff. I have all these different of all these photos on my phone of the preliminary sketches he did before the final draft before he did the final artwork and he had all these different like just different placements and scope colors vision but the funniest thing was and i'll send it to you after the sketch before uh we did the final one you know there's like the the darker figure at the fork like the, the smaller guy right yeah so originally that was on the final sketch. And I said to him, I was like, this looks amazing. And I was like, I like all this detail in the guy's body. Cause it like on the sketch, it looked like there's like these like almost stairways or something going up. He was like, what are you talking about? And I was, I circled it. I was like the guy. And what he originally was, you know, he's got these square shoulders on the album cover. Mm-hmm. That was a pillar. And the guy was just mm. the little head on top. And I, I said to him, Oh, I thought the whole, that whole part was his body. And he was like, oh, wait, that's actually better. Okay, I'll draw it like that. <laughs> so that was like a happy accident. But that's fun. yeah, like some of the visuals from Kagamusha, the colors, that's a, such a beautiful movie. Spell that out. It's like what? K-A-G? K-A-G-E-M-U-S-H-A. By oh, Akira Kurosawa. It, it is cool. Yeah, 1980, I believe. Yeah. He made that movie, I think at that point, he was in a real down shift in his career. He had made some movies in the 70s that tanked. I think he tried to commit suicide. Mm. And then, but guys like Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese were just huge fans of him. So they okay. had, I think Coppola had started um, like some sort of imprint of like, or like a production house. So I think they like kind of financed Kurosawa to make the movie. Or they're like, we'll, oh, we'll, like, we'll, we'll, like, we'll release it and stuff, like distribute it. I think he made that movie, it sort of. I don't know if he's ever said this explicitly, but I've seen it written. But like that movie, he made it almost like a dry run to see if he could make this other movie called Ran or Ran, mm. R A N, which was this other sprawling like epic movie based on King Lear by Shakespeare. And that movie is also incredible, super colorful, really great. So those movies for sure play a big role. And mm-hmm. just like a visual aspect. Like when I was yeah. thinking about writing these songs, I was thinking about that. And then yeah. just other like other movies that had just this like these like impactful sequences. The Exorcist for sure. The Exorcist just kind of the more like existential things that are that are being deal- dealt with. Oh. Not so much like not so much um uh the actual possession. Like the horror of it, yeah. Not the okay. horror of it, but almost like the uh 
the like the the younger priest who's going through like a like a life right. crisis, a crisis of faith, all these things. I yeah. think that I found that really resonated. That movie yeah. is so good. Yeah. And I'm 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 stating the obvious here, like, <laughs> but it's just it's crazy good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, That's I'm, interesting. Yeah, I was wondering because I was like, I don't hear like the necessarily dark like mm-hmm. you know like the horror of it but that yeah. makes more sense thinking yeah. about it in that context yeah um this movie the ninth configuration um i really really liked it's also so the exorcist was directed by william friedkin but mm-hmm. it, the book and the screenplay were written by william peter blatty mm-hmm. william peter blatty ended up making this movie later called the ninth configuration which has nothing to do with The Exorcist, but like in my head, I like to think it exists in the same universe, even though it well, it's got doesn't. the the priest character, like that actor, right? Isn't he? He's not in it. Um, but someone really? else. Oh wait, wait, wait! No. Not the. Wait a minute. Are uh, you sure? No, you know, you know, who, you know what though? The guy who plays the older priest, he's in the Seventh Seal, which is another good movie about faith, I suppose, and existence, the afterlife, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's an older movie, uh, like a Swedish movie. Um, God, what the hell is that actor's name? It escapes me right now. But The Ninth Configuration was this other cool movie that deals with some interesting, like, heady, existential things. Mm-hmm. And I watched that on the same day I watched this other movie, Dragged Across Concrete, which yeah. is probably the, the greatest movie of the 2010s. That's the only one I still have. Dude, it is man. like... <laughs> it's a kind of it's just so good it's an intense movie but mm-hmm. you watch it it's what no country was no country for old men what that movie was for the 2000s i really feel yeah. this movie was for the 2010s okay i love i love that one yeah like this this movie where every every little detail has been paid attention to it was so it's such a meticulous movie the and the the dialogue almost feels like prose or it's like it's poetic of sorts like sort of how the coen brothers right dialogue mm-hmm. and i just i respected the level of detail but also the fact that it was really really good yeah but like watching those i think it just helps you think about things in a different context of like of narrative and whatnot and then you apply those or these ideas to your record that's yeah. sort of like you know when we were when we were making planetary clairvoyance with tumult i was obsessed with event horizon and I was obsessed with Aliens, which I'm like, I mean, Aliens is like the second greatest movie ever made. So <laughs> I'll never stop being obsessed with it. Yeah. But it, it just sort of shapes like your things like, well, this is horrific and so dark. And it's like, well, we should make mm-hmm. like a, a record that sounds horrific and dark at times. And it's like, OK, yeah, just go do that. Yeah. And then I think I wanted to make a really pretty record, Dream on Ending, I guess. And I mm-hmm. would watch these right. really pretty looking movies. Like, but I, you know, there's lots of pretty movies that are sick. You ever see Days of Heaven? No, that's another good movie that you should watch, and, and that one heaven. it's like takes it's it was shot in Saskatchewan actually I think, but it's supposed to take place in Texas. But it's like okay, every scene is just in like prairie fields, the sun setting, and it's like really striking. Richard yeah. Gere's in it. It's from the mid seventies. Okay. Terrence okay. Malick made it. Who made another movie called Thin Red Line? If you ever saw mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Made Badlands. And then he made some, like, he's made some real shit since, but he was good once. But okay. yeah, like, I think, I think watching, I think, like, watching movies, reading books, whatever it might be, like, I would be lying if I didn't say that, like, I was influenced just by rereading East of Eden while making this, mm-hmm. you know? There's just, uh, there's just, like, these like, tragic 
these tragic things that happen in in stories yeah and i guess i wanted some of the record to sound tragic it's a little melodramatic you know right right some of those some of those parts where you have all these guitars stacked on each other it's like trying to tug at your heartstrings a bit i suppose yeah no i get i can see what you're saying but it's cool i think (laughs) but you also think it's go ahead go go ahead go ahead no you first. you're good (laughs) you first I was just going to say it's cool that you were saying, like, even in the beginning, like, you're still listening to it. Because, like, some people might be like, oh, wow, he really loves his own album. But at the same time... Oh, whatever, man. I That's kind of, I... like, the sign that, you, like, to me, you wrote something that you want to hear. You didn't just bang out an album yeah. that you think someone's going to want to like or whatever. Like, you made something that you like enough you're listening to it. Like, that's, you know, that's the great yeah. sign to me. I mean, I don't know. Like, if I... like. Uh, if I drew a work of art, I'd probably stare at it for a while. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah. shit, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. and I think the there's a the thing that comes from listening to your record after it's done is that one of two things. Well, one, it's good to like it's good to listen to it ad nauseum at first and then take a break from it, then come back to it just to be like, do I still like it? Yeah. I feel like Rush would do that with their records. Like record it all go on vacation, come back and then like listen to it and be like, did we do good? Yes. Okay, great. But it also, it's a good way to know what do you want to do next? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, in order to look forward, you have to look at the past, right? I don't have any regrets with this album, but it's almost like, okay, well, what, what do I want to do on the next one that I didn't do on this? Mm. What do I want more of? Like, what did I, what resonated best with me? Yeah. So it's like, well, I like this. I should do more of that. And then sort of what did you what like what couldn't you do on the album that you wish you could have done? That you're not regretting, right. but it's like you could do on the next one. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with a new band, you're you're figuring it out and you know. Yeah. It it's, makes a lot of sense. And I think also when you're asked to, like if I get an email where it's like, Hey, can you can you write a little thing about the song because it's gonna premiere? And then it's like, Well, I have to go back and listen to it mm-hmm. so I can actually mm-hmm. like place myself in it. Um, and then you're just forced to think about it and you have to write about it too. Yeah. And then also, you, you know, you, you, uh, you share it with some friends or some close ones and you see what they say and then you, you talk about it from there. And which is always like a really interesting part. Like I was definitely interested to see what people in my life would think about this album. Cause I just, I don't know. I was definitely like nervous about it. I don't know why. Yeah, like I just, right. you know. Maybe it would come out and everyone thought it was stupid. You know, it <laughs> doesn't look like that's what people are saying. I don't think so. It seems <laughs> like, like, I mean, I guess at this point, most people only heard the one song, right? True. Yeah. Right. And even that alone, I think it, I think it, even before that, like we didn't even, don't even mean people knew we had a band. Like, mm-hmm. so even that for a lot of people was a surprise. Right. And I, I guess in, for Justin and I, we don't ever think about, the idea that a guy from Tumul and then a guy from New World Form started a band and that is going to mm-hmm. carry any sort of weight at all. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it does, which is cool, mm-hmm. which is just a weird feeling. Like the idea that like someone would be like, oh, that guy, well, I'm sure he'll write something good. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, don't give me that much credit. Um, right. <laughs> I haven't earned it. But yeah, it is it is cool. But then you've had the pleasure of hearing it since when? April? Yeah, something like that. How many times do you think you listen to it? <laughs> a lot, because yeah. I think I told you, man, like, and I'm not just telling you this because we're talking about it, but like, there's been, listen, there's been a lot of strong albums this year, but, you know, there's always, for me, there's usually only one to three yeah. that really like resonate. 
Yeah. And they usually have something where like, for example, this one where it's, it's unique. So it does not sound like anything that you've ever heard. Yeah. And then it's got to have something like whether an emotional punch or that thing, like that, that thing. And like this one has it, man. It's just like, there's not a lot that I've found this year that has that. There's a lot of great ones. A lot of ones I really like, but like, yeah, this one is just something that you, you can, you can throw it on. I mean, not, you're not going to put it on every mood. No, you know, it's got his thing, but, um, man, it's, it's just such a powerful album, you I, know? So I've listened to it a ton. That's nice to hear. Yeah. I remember yeah. I sent it to you and I was like, wait, I was like, don't let, like, don't fleetingly listen to it. I was like, yeah, you have right. to wait. And that was me being a freak. Right. Cause I'm just like, here's <laughs> this thing I care about. I need you to treat it with care. It's like handle like with yeah, gloves. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you listen to it and you're like, yeah, this is, this is great. Well, because I waited too, and I, and I put it on with the headphones. I yeah. walked, I took my dog for a walk, and it was it was like dusk turning to night, which perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, perfect. Yeah. And now every time I listen, I always want it. It's like when if, I, if there's like a sun going down, it's something to do with maybe the album cover. Yeah, definitely. A little I, bit. I don't know, you know? Yeah. But it's also because it's not a completely dark album. Nope. It works really good at night, don't get me wrong. But yeah. like, um, yeah, just it's one of those where it's like perfect for a certain setting too. And yeah. yeah, dude, it's just, but everyone that's, everyone that I've talked to that listened to the single is just amazed by it too. Yeah. Know? So. Oh, nice. It's been cool to see that, you know? Yeah. Like definitely like some people have reached out to be like, this is great. Like I had, I had someone I don't know very well who was like, probably listened to it five times today. And I was yeah. like, oh wow. Like that's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah we, Cause we've got our uh, Patreon group, you know? Oh and yeah. And like they're, you know. It's just people are, it's all you do is talk about new music in there. Yeah. You know? And I know we were talking about asking them some questions too, but they yeah. were, the day it came out, I mean, it was just like, <laughs> just so much talk about it. But yeah, I'm trying to look through the back to see. Yeah, uh, go ahead, man. We'll, bu- we'll jump through a few of them. Oh yeah. So one of the, yeah, one of the guys on there, Ian, who was like way into it. I'm just going to like kind of read it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit longer, but. He read through the, 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 the blurb that 20 Buck had put out. Mm-hmm. And so he said, like, after reading that, and he said, given every main influence that's been brought up for the band is well known for the potential to be thoroughly, utterly miserable. He said, I guess that's a given. That's kind of the state of affairs in a general sense these days. I'm very interested in how it's pointedly stated that the project allows itself to be genuinely hopeful when need, when need be. Yeah. Is that just a conscious rejection of the tropes of all those influences? Or does it come from somewhere deeper than that? Is th- it maybe a bit too prying of a question, but it's there. No, I mean, kind no. Of about some of that, I guess. I think we, but, we, we you definitely know. touched on that, but it's it's both, man. Like, I think, I think we, like, don't, we don't think about writing miserable music. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everything, everything mentioned is, like, definitely of that, of that nature somewhat. Um mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think we were actively trying to be like, we are a doom band, but not a doom band or something like that. Like we reject all this stuff, but I think we were just like, what is the advantage? Like what, what good does anyone benefit from another band just kind of doing the same old shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not saying like, oh, we're trailblazers of a new genre called dream doom, but like I call it dream doom because <laughs> it's funny. Um, but it was definitely, it was definitely both. I think. I think on the surface, if you just don't know anything to do with the like subject matter, I don't know how you feel when you listen to that record. I don't think you walk away feeling miserable though. Mm. I think it's hard to. 
I agree. I think by the point you you like by the point like Richard Poe is telling you that he lives the same dream you live, like how can you feel bad? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. And I think that was sort of I think that was sort of it. Like I think that line not to pat myself on the back or anything, but I think it carries a lot more weight if you let it. Like I think mm-hmm. I think it's it's not just about something inside of us talking to ourselves, but I think it's you know, we're all we're all part of this like great experiment called life right Mm -hmm. and like i'm no better than you or you're no better than me but we're we're all like we're kind of all in this on this journey and i just i feel like we lose sight of that man Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in so many ways do we ever and i think i again i think i just needed to write that for me yeah and yeah um but i mean and even like in the some of the like the leads too have like so you're talking about like the lyrics of it yeah but like for me even some of the like the leads have that like extra bit of you know hopefulness or you know whatever you however you want to describe it you can feel it even like they're a motive that's for sure yeah Yeah. yes which is like you know on purpose you look at a band like morphal congregation they're so good at that you know Mm -hmm. like the just like hit three notes and then I'm like, Oh, I'm crying. Like what <laughs> right, happened? Right. What happened? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're so good at that. Like that, that's like a, that big deal band for sure. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think that sort of answers that question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it does. Um, let me see. How about this one? So, uh, Donovan, he was asking, you know, did you grow up listening to stuff like the cure sisters of mercy um, and if you did, did you ever feel, uh, did you ever, did you ever feel influenced for any riffs of other projects? Never heard them in like two mold or anything like that. No. Um, I would say probably not, right? Yeah. Like I, yeah, I mean, I've known of the cure since I was a teenager through my dad, my dad, like okay. the cure and like new order, Depeche mode and stuff. But then when I got into that stuff, it was fun. Cause then I got to show him bands that he didn't know of like different okay. post punk or goth bands. Like, yeah. and I turned them on to like stuff like the Cocteau twins and whatnot when I was in university. And yeah, I loved all that shit. I love this mortal coil, which was another like big four AD group. Um, yeah, you're right. I never really got to show that stuff in two mold. That's just not what two mold is. Right. Um, and two mold is like a more of a, it's a joint effort, right? Um, this is a little bit like I get to do the things I don't get to do in other bands with dream on ending, which is fun for me. Um, cause Justin gives me a lot of free reign. Like, being the songwriter and all but yeah that stuff like i got into all that like all that goth shit back when i was in when i was in university mm-hmm. and i loved it but it never made sense to me to try to start a post-punk band or anything because i didn't know enough people who would want to play it yeah and i didn't it just felt like i would just get laughed at for doing it <laughs> i get it yeah so i just never did and then I got to do it through this band in its own special way. I mean, right. playing clean guitars over heavy stuff is not anything new. That's like disembowelment 101, right? <laughs> but sure. but the style of it, I was like, well, I can make it into something that's sort of my own, you know? Especially like some of that shimmering, like the yeah. cure yeah. moments, you know? Like you don't hear that too often in like no. the style of metal or metal in, at all, really? For sure. Like there's, yeah, there's one really good section in the song the needful which is the shortest mm-hmm. of the full songs on the album where there's like this this break in the middle for like a, a bass part and then all these guitars this like guitar comes in playing this like monotonous riff and then this clean guitar comes in over top of it 
and it just sounds like i mean that overdub just sounds like from like a band called like big country or something right it sounds like the cure and then it just goes into this like bending note alice in chains riff and i was like oh i can do all these things i like in one shot you know what i mean like i get to i get to play around with with different things which is a lot of fun and also like writing clean parts with the 12 string is great that will be the big difference between the first album and the next one is how much preliminary writing i did on the 12 string so the Mm. the next album will have a lot more of that and that like just to like i love like i mean i love 12 string in general but like the sound of electric 12 string, like like early birds records and stuff, like some of that British invasion, whatnot, mm-hmm. where it's like, I love how that sounds, but I just don't want to play those style of riffs. It's like, I want to play right. like more melodic riffs. It's like, well, sure. it's, they'll just sound like, you know, if the birds were playing like sad doom music, and right, it'll be cool. Right. And yeah, and yeah, like, and the same way, like listening to, like watching movies for contact, like for like inspiration, like listening to records like No Other by Gene Clark or Pacific Ocean Blue by Dennis Wilson. Like these like lush, huge records made by these like broken ass men who mm-hmm. just like are like at probably the bottom of their lives. Right. And I, I don't I think like Dennis Wilson died within five years after that album was made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But there are these, these like beautiful heartbreaking crushing albums that are just so good it was just like yeah. i want to just capture some of that essence i can't right, write those right. songs but i can i can try to recapture that that feeling mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's why listening to the album with headphones is so nice because there's just so much happening at once so it's so cool too because you can tell like there's so many influences that are not at all metal yeah i like went into it you know yeah, which sure. makes it stand out so much in like a metal crowd you know what i mean well like at this point like i still like i'm really bad at keeping up with metal i usually just ask you like what do i need to check out (laughs) like i probably i mean like this will make everybody everybody who listens to this interview if you're still at this point this will make your eyes roll but like i probably listen to like dave matthews more than i listen to like any (laughs) death metal band which is fine it's just the way it is yeah it's just easy on my ears (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) for other people it isn't that's fine but like it's just like I find the best thing to do is just step away from it. Mm-hmm. And then when you hear a metal record you like, you're like really drawn back in. And then you're like, oh, this makes me want to do this. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, but I didn't, you know, I didn't hear a lot of metal this year that I was really into. But you know, a record I did hear that I just still listen to constantly is that Afterbirth album. From uh, last year, yeah. 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 Like I haven't turned yeah. it off. Like, yeah. That one really well, it's spoke one of those to me. kind of. Sp- kind of a special album i get that yeah it's one that'll stick with you for you know it's not just that year no you're gonna keep coming back to it i agree some of the that like, was a really cool one. some of the like chord progressions on that like the choice of like like just like the melodic touches are really good it's like a really yeah like that record has a lot of feeling has a lot of emotion to it even though it's like this like set simultaneous like pulverizing album yeah it's just with it's just amazing slam. yeah it's so different it, it is so good but like you know what like a, a a metal like a death metal record that would have been influential like on dream on ending would be focused by cynic okay just like t- choice of like the colorful riffs like the clean parts they have a spoken section on that um yeah the lyrics to that album are very like heady and spiritual and whatnot 
I remember, like, I have this, like, fun pastime where I will look up songs on YouTube that I like and read the comments just okay, to yeah. see what people say. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember I looked up How Could I by Senec on YouTube, and I remember one of the comments was just, like, I deal with a lot of, like, self-anger or self-hatred issues, and this song, like, helps me get through it. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's how I feel about the song. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's just like, yeah. uh, I think that like shared, that shared experience, like I find so interesting. That's why I find talking to people who hear the dream on ending record and have some sort of reaction to it. Like yeah. there's a shared experience. Like mm-hmm. I wrote it, but I'm experiencing it just like you are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I find that mm-hmm. that's just so amazing. It's amazing that like I can, it, you can write something that will have an impact on someone. Right. That's just that's just ridiculous like in a really good way. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, you're probably going to be hearing that a lot with this one. I might, I guess you know, I, at some, I mean, I guess we'll on see. the next step in the next episode, you, when you guys do your like five song roundup or something, you'll just have to mm-hmm. play it uh, in cipher. Yeah. <laughs> and see, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, it's been, it's been cool. Like already just seeing just people. Yeah. Jive with it. Right. It's, uh, it's just, I mean, I'm still shocked by it, I guess. Maybe that's a thing I'll never get over, though. You know what I mean? And maybe that's a good thing. Because when you get comfortable is when you start making shit music, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know. You just have to keep starting new, uh, it's jump into new genres every time you get too comfortable. And God. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, it's like I make the joke with Max, like from Tumult. And I was like, we'll just play music forever, but it won't just always yeah. be metal. Like, we'll just do every genre. Like we've done, a, we've been in a grindy power violence band. We've done emo. We've done screamo. We've done death metal. Like, yeah. do I don't know what's next. Like <laughs> something, but, yeah. um, but like, yeah, it, the thing that makes Dream on Ending, like Dream on Ending, is nothing without Justin. Though I feel like I can't mm-hmm. stress that enough. Mm-hmm. Like he, like I'm just, you know, uh, I'm like a set designer, right? But like he is the he is the actor that carries the production right you know right. what i mean like uh he's hamlet i'm just the skull he's holding you know uh <laughs> yeah and i i don't write these songs without him you know what i mean like i don't write these songs without him encouraging me and pushing me and i'm just infinitely grateful for that stuff we don't like we we tell each other that we're grateful for each other but like we're also both bad at like taking compliments right so we're just right. like oh don't say that like <laughs> yeah whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. And then while I've been doing all this, like I've been working on that Outer Heaven record. I was just which... going to ask me, that was, that was the only thing I didn't get to ask you was like, like the, like, cause I was just talking to Zach, obviously and yeah. he was talking about like the bass parts and just like you picking up the freaking, the fretless bass and like learning it so fast yeah, literally, and just doing these tracks. It was literally a joke at first. Like I, we were at, I, when I went down to Mary Liz, I had, to, I was able to jam with them a couple times and I learned what would be uh, a couple of the songs on the album. And uh, I was like, yeah, like, you know, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just play fretless. And we all laughed. And then I got, <laughs> I got back to, we went back to Liz's place that night. And then I just started looking up fretless necks, found, yeah. f- bought one, bought an all parts neck, got it shipped to my house in Oshawa. And then I got it. And then my dad and I just did it together. Like we swapped out the necks, drilled in all the hardware and then I just started learning it. And yeah, it was like a little... Tough. I feel like you were you sent like that philosopher video within like the first week. I yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, it was... <laughs> it was uh, it, it's been fun learning. 
But the only thing I did differently that most people who play fretless bass, they play with um, flat wound strings. Okay. Which is uh, just gives it a like softer, duller sound. Hmm. But for the Outer Heaven record, I needed something with like a little bit more oomph. So I used yeah. I used regular like uh, like round wound strings, but it still has some of that weirdness from the fact that there are no frets. And yeah. I got to do some slides, and I got to go off script a little bit. But I tried to keep it not too stupid or anything. But I really yeah. did try to like you know go shot for shot with the guitars and like keep up and not try to cheat my way out of anything too yeah. much. And it was fun. That record's gonna be good. Um, I liked it before I tracked bass for it, and then I tracked bass for it, and of course I liked it a bit more because I'm like, right. oh, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I tracked bass. I played a couple solos on it as well. Okay, nice. Um, because one of them, they're John, the other guitarist, was like, you should just do something here, and I was like, okay, I will. And then I wrote a part, a couple songs. They would send me it, and they're like, it's almost done, but we don't know how to finish it. Mm. So I'm like, all right, send me the song, and I'll I'll come up with a few riffs. And then I'd yeah. come up with like two to three minutes worth of stuff. And I'd like, take from it what you want, ditch what you don't. Yeah. And then they would do that. So there's a part in a song where I was like, you know, I wrote this part. Like, you should let me play a solo over it. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I did. <laughs> but yeah, the, the bass was a lot of fun to do. Um, the record itself, it is fast, like Zach said. It sounds like Bloodthirst era Cannibal with some of that Gateways flair. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's still like low tuned and heavy, but it's quite angular um it's very busy sounding it's not mm-hmm. they don't there's not a lot of like dumb dumb stuff on it yeah which i'm happy yeah. about like um because they just they're both i mean they're both they're all capable of like doing so much more than that so it's like you mm-hmm. should really push yourself paul's yeah. drumming on it is just top notch like he's always been he's always a good drummer as far as i could tell but like he really like elevated himself and zach's solos are fucking crazy on the record like yeah. i want him to like teach me how to play them just so i can act like i know oh so I, <laughs> I can't play them like he did such a good job like everyone really came through and it's, it's when i don't know when it'll come out but like it's really good and yeah it was a lot of fun to to play bass on it and yeah the fact that they trusted me with it that was cool it was nice. like just like just just again yeah, just believe that i'll do it and then i went <laughs> i went to the same place that i tracked Dream Unending and Tumult Stuff at and banged it out in a day. Was it a day? Yeah, I banged out all the bass in a day. And then the next day I went in and did two guitar solos. And then I went home. Yeah. No, first, after we did that, we listened to the Dream Unending record. Then I went home. Because <laughs> I was like, well, it's mixed yeah. now. We have to hear it through all your monitor speakers. So yeah. like, it was nice. Yeah. So yeah. Get- It'll be good. I can't wait. It reminds it <laughs> reminds me of like like a death metal CD you would buy in like the mid to late nineties where it's like mm-hmm. like long. Like it's not like a short record. It's not like a super long record, but it's like, you know, eleven songs or something. And it's yeah. just like remind like if you like bought Millennium by Monstrosity or something. Okay. Where it's like, yeah. oh, I'm getting my money's worth with this. Right, right. Which is which is good. Cause um they also haven't done a record in a couple years now yeah it's been a minute so and they've done some stuff in the meantime to keep themselves busy like that covers ep i'm not on that but right that turned out cool yeah Um, and then yeah so then they can write the next record yeah yeah i can't wait (laughs) yeah it'll be good i'm really excited for them like i mean 
I'm excited too, obviously, but like I'm it's when you're not like I'm in I'm 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 on it, but like, you know, they're so far away that I don't get to really bask in it with them. Right. Like I live here, but I don't really live anywhere. Like I so I get to appreciate it from a different perspective. Like I am like, I'm so proud of you guys for doing this thing. But they're like, Well, we're yeah. so happy you're part of it, right? And I'm like, Right. Yes, yeah. It's like uh <laughs> Like feel I feel removed though a little bit. Yeah, I like I'm more stoked for them than I am for myself. But that's Makes the whole sense. beauty of like making music is not like the 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 best part is everyone involved in it uh, enjoying it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm pumped on the Dream and Ending record, but Justin is pumped. Like you know, I think ju- like Justin has said something along the lines of it's like the best thing he's ever done, which is like yeah, that's a huge compliment. You know, Dave yeah, from Twenty yeah. Bucks Spin is really thrilled to put it out. And I'm, there's no one else I would want to work with on anything. Like, just like, I'm so glad I don't have to think about labels. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I, be nice. I just work with the one that I want to work with. And it's not a bad one to work with. Oh God, no. Like he just, <laughs> yeah, like he's too good to me, which is great. And I'm forever grateful. But knowing that he loves the record, cares about it is like, means a lot to me. Yeah. Like knowing that my dad loves it and like wants to like play it for people is really cool. And, you know, and Matthew and Jesse, who did artwork for it, love it. I remember I sent it to Matthew, um, he, who did the album cover and he was like, well, I'm driving through like the mountains outside of Rio. So I've listened to it like three times today while driving. And I was like, that's amazing. Perfect. I was like, yeah, it's a great setting (laughs) for it. But that's really the best part is just watching other people bask in it. Like, yeah. you know, it's yours now forever. Like it no longer is mine. Yeah. So yeah. enjoy it. It's out there now. And then I'll just keep working on other stuff. I'll toil yeah. away and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's awesome that you guys are doing more, man. It's yeah, that's a good thing to hear. I was wondering that from the beginning, like I can't stop on that one. So no, like in a perfect world, like I just keep writing records. Like, mm-hmm. like if I just had an avenue to write music, like that'd be sweet. Like not as a like as my job, but just like, you know, it's a fun thing to do. It's fun yeah. to write music, but then it's another thing if someone's like, I'll put it out for you. Right. So, and I've been like working on music with another friend as well. My friend Connor, who plays in Genocide Pact. Oh, nice. uh, okay. He plays, he's a drummer. Yeah. And we rewrote some songs together, uh, like remotely, like I, I will make these demos and then he'll just like record himself playing drums to it at his okay. practice space. And then I'll just line it up in an audio engine, like audio software. Yeah. And then we have like these rough demos, but that stuff's cool too. I hope to do okay. more of that down the road, but yeah. he's in like, he's an eternal champion now too. So he's like busy, uh, but right. also like, it's not his fault. Like I'm, I'm the reason why we're held up. Cause I'm just like, yeah, I'll keep writing. But like, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. That's yeah. cool, though. Just something else. Yeah, it's like, like you know, angular, like kind of technical, thrashy, death metal stuff. But like, okay. m- like w- quite melodic, like mm, in that okay. in that sort of cynic way. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. And then, and the the reason why it's fun for me is because um because a lot like Dream on Netting, where it's just like okay, I'll play all the guitars and bass for the demos. I can write on the bass. Which is just a different way of approaching songs. Okay. Yeah. So I get a different sort of feeling out of it. So I'll write like half the song on bass, half the song on guitar, put it together, which is like fun. And I do it in standard tuning instead of a drop tuning, which is also okay. just another different thing to work with. 
Um, but that'll be cool. That'll happen at some point. It'll like come out on some something in like right. 2022. Yeah. Yeah. What year are we in now? 21? Yeah. 21. Give me time. I need time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though, man. We got a lot. At least there's always something coming. Yeah. Did we not? Hit, was there anything we didn't hit on? I don't know. I think we hit most stuff. You tell me. I mean, I covered most of the stuff I needed to to get out there. Like, there was a couple other questions, but we, we went through pretty much yeah. most of the like stuff. I feel like we barely so talked bother. about like the actual like music component of the album. I know. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the record? Well, I have probably two things. Like, I okay. really love the interludes. Yeah, those I are think nice. I told you that one day. Like, I could listen to, like, a full album of, like, instrumental, that, like, dreamy. Yeah. Those leads, like, emotive leads. Yeah. I mean, we were talking today, like, Satriani and some of that kind of shit. Yeah. Especially, like, the emotive stuff. I love that. I'm a sucker for that. Me too. But I think it look, works really fucking well on that album. Yeah. So that, and then, you know, we talked a lot about Dream Man Ending already, but like the way that builds and, and just that, it's like the, to me, it's the capstone of like that album. So like, yeah. that's like such a big moment for me that I love that, you know? Yeah. But there's a lot, man. I mean, the single you put out is a perfect choice too, because it like captures pretty much what you want to know about the album too. Yeah. It's funny when we, when we recorded that, it was the first song we recorded, right? Because we kind of just went in order of how I wrote them. Yeah. So if you're listening to the album and you want to know the order of songs that I wrote it in, it was Encipher I Weep, uh, Adorned in Lies, Dream Unending, Tide Turns Eternal, and then The Needful. Really? The Needful was the last song I wrote because it was like, I it was like, we need something. We need something to fill out the record where it's not mm -hmm. a long song, but it does something that's a little different. Mm -hmm. I think I, I remember like there was one song i can't remember what i was listening to but there's an esoteric song off the album metamorphogenesis i think uh the first song dissident not that the okay. song sounds like that at all but i think there was something about the that the way that song kicks off where it was like i need to implement that somehow and then i didn't at all but like when i hear that's when i hear the needful i think of that song yeah okay but um i don't even remember why i was explaining this but, well, it, tie, it ties it in. Yeah, it does. Like it, it, ties... like it, it brings it all together. But when we recorded yeah. in Cypher, that song was done. And I was like, that was fine. I think it was good. And then we we did Adorn and Lies. And then we did Dream on Ending. By the time we finished Dream on Ending, we were like such in a like groove of like we knew exactly what we were going for that I was like, God, in Cypher might just sound terrible. Like it just might <laughs> suck like, compared to the rest. Yeah. And we didn't listen back to it until we were done recording everything i think so on on the sunday we showed up and we listened to all five songs and then we went out for a smoke and sean was just like you know song one surprised me i was like yeah me too it's actually good i was so worried that it wasn't and then okay. and then that ended up that now is that is the song that is like the song that was us trying to like draw people in yeah. Which is funny because I'm like, no, nah, it's actually the, I thought it was the weakest track. It's not. None of the yeah, tracks are it's, weak. It's not. No. No. And then, I mean, you can't, I mean, the heavy part at the end. Yeah, the that's heavy, a good the tease. The heavy riff. That's a good tease because <laughs> it's like, that is like the only part where it really sounds like a Death Doom album. Yep. And it's like, oh yeah, we could like do that for a whole record, but we're not <laughs> going to. We're just going to give you right. like one part, but it's going to be really good. 
but it's really well placed. Yeah. It's really all you need. I don't ever listen to it think like, like I need more of that. I mean, when uh-huh. it comes, I love it every time. Yeah. It gets like stuck in my head afterwards a lot of times. But like Yeah, that part yeah. is good. You get I you, like the way he said it. You get a little bit more intensity by the time you hit the closing track, only because there's just a lot of like double kick in there, but it's not aggressive yeah. or anything. Like right. it's just um it just sounds like yeah, like stuff shattering. You yeah, know the, the some crushing heavier riffs here and there, you know, too, but I feel like we didn't t- we didn't touch on a lot of like actual like influences of sound. Except of like we talked about esoteric and mm-hmm. like Justin and I both just worship that band into oblivion. Okay, yeah. But the other band, funny enough, where I'm like, this band wouldn't like Dream on Ending can't exist without this band, which is Ruins of Beverest. I don't know how familiar okay. you are with them. I, I can't, I haven't gotten into them because okay. they put out that album this year. Last year, but yeah, like basically. Oh, whatever. It came it out late last year, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, the Fool people Grimoires or whatever. Talking about it so much, and I was like, I people love this, you know, so I wanted to give that one a shot, but. Uh, so, uh, Ruins of Beverage, when they when he first started, was mostly just black metal. Um, like albums like Unlock the Shrine or like Rain Upon the Empire. But there were these like slow, like drawn out parts and some like melodic stuff. Rain yeah. Upon the Impure is like an amazing record that just is unlistenable because it's just okay. the production of it just is sucks. Oh, but it's right, but right. if you just turn it up loud enough, you can hear everything and it's really okay. good. But like albums like Phallus Semen of a Sheltered Elite or Shattered Elite, uh, whatever it is, or like Blood Vaults. Mm-hmm. Those are like doom records for the most part with like some fast black metally stuff yeah but his his like his taste in melodic parts and clean guitar sections like yeah there's like definitely like like the, the closing part of dream unending like i you know i wouldn't have written that if i didn't like ruins of beverest you know what i mean yeah little things like that um i gotta give him another chance then i think blood vaults is the record to go with Okay. I think that's the one to check out, and okay. I think if you hear that, you'll be like, "Oh, I think, I think I understand." Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna put it. I'm saving it right now. Good call. But yeah, that one for sure. That band like was another big influence outside of like the stuff that always gets mentioned, like the Cure, or, like even Pink Floyd and and whatnot. Like half yeah. of those guitar solos just sound like David Gilmour. Like it's fine. Yeah. It's like totally, right. totally fine. <laughs> I love David Gilmour. Yeah. Um. And like, yeah, we I love all those. Dumb shredders from the eighties, Satriani. I love Richie Sambora. Like Bon Jovi is so fucking cringe, but like I love Richie Sambora's <laughs> guitar playing, and he's yeah. just as bad. Like he's cringe as hell, but like who cares? <laughs> um, well, yeah, man, dude. When it's the eighties, I mean, yeah, kind of comes with it a lot of times. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. But yeah. like just like that, like just like knowing exactly like what to play when to play it and like just those solos get stuck in your head they're so emotive full of feeling just like using like classic like pentatonic modes like it's not weird like it's just like a gary moore is another one like big big yeah, gary right. moore fan like fucking love that stuff yeah i yeah. can see where all that comes in yeah those are, like i said those are a lot of those points where i really love it and like what's that spot um like an adorned in lies yeah uh, I think it's like towards the end, like there's that lead or solo going on. There's yeah. like a bunch of, sh- I think the drums are kind of going off the wall a little bit. Yeah. But it's like a very emotive lead. Yeah. And I always am like drawn to that part, <laughs> you know? No, I, I hear you. Like writing that, like I remember I, uh, the, there's a solo in the needful at the end 
like there's this like big slow like um very like slow heavy riff that closes out the track it sounds like disembowelment okay and then there's this really like simple monotonous like clean guitar part over it as a, as the song ends but then there's yeah. like this this solo comes in and uh i remember writing it and i sent justin a video of me playing it and i was just like at some point like i hit a pinch harmonic and i just start laughing and it's like this is like exactly how i feel when i hear it like i'm just like oh that's funny like it's just <laughs> i know exactly what like, i'm trying to do like i'm trying to hit something that sounds like joe satriani yeah and it's like just so on the nose that it's like humorous to me but like <laughs> that's the stuff i love so it's like i yeah. do that i can't do it as well as him because he's really good and i right. just fake my way through it but like yeah like i just yeah i at, a, at the end of the day you write music you want to write what you want to hear you know what i mean yeah 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 so it's like i guess like i guess in my head this was like a thing that i was missing from like my my repertoire of like music listening so it's like well i have to do it myself i suppose right, that's like what i was saying earlier like it's probably why you like listening to it like it's, you're writing stuff that you like that you want to hear like that's cool yeah no it's good and like you just become like obsessed because you're just like looking i mean if like, you sometimes start looking for flaws if you can find them and i just don't i'm um, someone else will and then just don't tell me so i can like live yeah. in ignorance because that's more preferable for me <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah yeah I, I i didn't pick out anything like that but i'm sure you're you're probably gonna hear it yeah well i mean yeah it'll just it's just it's just interesting to hear other people react to it i suppose mm -hmm. it's cool that mm -hmm. people like it uh, i'm happy i think if you like that one song you'll like the whole album yeah, like i don't think you'll thing. be like oh that the rest of the album's weak compared to this because i'm like mm -hmm. no no like you you don't even know the best stuff like the stuff like, right the whole side B like is intentionally like not going to be shown before the record yeah. is available to Good. hear in full. Does How do you feel about like singles? Like I was thinking about that the other day because I go back and forth. Like sometimes it's great. I mean, especially with you guys, it's a new band. No one's heard it before. You got well, to give someone something, do right? Everything we can to just generate interest so that yeah. it's like we don't have a have demo. To. Like we didn't we didn't do the demo route, which is like also in itself like kind of crazy. Like I, I feel like I get. I mean, I, the only reason, like, I'm, how do I say this? I had to do what everybody else has to do when they're trying to appeal to a label. I had to send Dave demos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I had to yeah. be like, don't just, I can't just, you can't just jump blindly into this. Like, you have to hear what I'm thinking. Yeah. And he was like, I've heard enough to know that I want to do this. So it's like, okay, great. Okay. But, um, yeah, then we're like, okay, well, we have to put out a record where we have no demo, never played a show. Why should anyone care about this? Um, one fun thing we did is we got these, like, we made these postcards, these, okay, and, yeah. like oh, the 20 bucks spin made them and just started throwing them into orders. So people would get this thing. This is dream on ending, but be like, <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Yeah. And then they would like send a picture to Dave and be like, what is this? And he would just say, I don't know. <laughs> like it was fun. Yeah. Just another way to get people interested. But singles. Yeah. They definitely are important. I think, um, for that but then like what is your what if your record is like two 16 minute songs like what are you supposed to do release yeah, half the right. record for the band to hear like well, for the that's always a bummer for me because then when it comes out you've already heard half of it it's just sometimes that's a bummer you yeah. know or especially if it's a band that you like if it's a band i know i'm gonna check it out i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to them i'm just gonna wait yeah you know? really yeah like if it's a big if it's a band that i already like yeah i'm most likely gonna wait I'm, I, I shouldn't say that though no, it's if it, it depends. Like that Cynic album is coming out. Like, I mean, 
I got to know what that's going to sound like, you know, what, yeah. what, with everything going on with it. Yeah. But then again, a certain bands, I'd rather just like wait and hear the whole thing, you know, because sometimes I've done it where you, you just you play the shit out of a single and then you get the album and it's like kind of skip that one. You want to hear the rest of it. And it's just, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a stupid thing, I guess, to think about even. No, but no, <laughs> no. I hear that. I mean, some records, you have to hear a song. If the song catches your attention enough, you're going to check out the whole thing. Yeah. You're also trying to convince people to like spend their money on your record. Right. So you have to give them something, right? Yeah. So if people hear In Cypher I Weep and then they're like, I want to hear, I want to buy the record, then like, sick. Like, that's yeah, great. Exactly. You know, I can't, I can't argue with that. I would rather do that. Maybe if, like, if, uh, if a band is established, you can probably just release an album and be like, it's available mm-hmm. to buy. Yeah. You don't even have to drum up pre-order interest, right? Like exactly. You know, like I mean, it's always good to, I guess, you know, always put it out there. It's just like for me, I'm always like, do I want to listen to it or do I want to wait? You know? Yeah. I don't know. No, I I get that. <laughs> I guess it depends. Yeah, like I mean, there was no way I was going to be able to wait to hear that Cynic song until the whole album came out. Like exactly. I had to hear it. They're like one of my favorite bands, though. So yeah. it's like for me, that's exciting. The only thing that's like the the fear though is like, what if it sucks? Mm-hmm. right that's like the that's yeah. the fear luckily i i liked that song did you like it i really liked it yeah it was yeah. good i was actually surprised how much i liked it. i was just i had my doubts and stuff you know but no i really liked it no me too it's funny because like i i uh they put out a single uh like a couple years back now called humanoid mm-hmm. like through season of miss and i since then i'm like when the hell is this record gonna come out and right. what I can't even tell now is if that song is going to be on the album. Right. Because from a that's pro- where it gets from, weird. From a production perspective, it doesn't sound the same. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he might have recorded. Like, did he record this? Did Did Paul Masvidal start recording this record after Sean Malone had passed? I don't know yet. Because he's pretty sure he's not on the album. Yeah. Like I think, I think it was like a sort of a conscious decision to be like, we'll just do it with other people. Mm-hmm. Which I t- totally understand. Like that's yeah. cool. And like, yeah, the like I guess like in getting hit. Like I mean, I don't get too emotional when like musicians I like pass because it's not like I knew them or anything. Mm-hmm. But like when like half of Cynic died the, during the pandemic, I was like, fucking hell, man. Yeah. It was sort of like this is a weird thing to say. When Roger Ebert died, it sort of changed my perspective on watching movies. Because I didn't get to know what Roger Ebert mm. thought. Mm-hmm. Not that I was like, I'm not like a Roger Ebert stan. Like, he wrote a lot of reviews where I was like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For either liking or disliking certain movies. But I was always interested in what he had to say. Mm-hmm. You right. know? Like, I, Siskel and Ebert were like a fixture in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Same here. <laughs> and when he died, it was just like, you go watch a movie and it's like, I'm not going to know what Roger Ebert thinks. And that really, like, just like burnt. Yeah. Then I guess I the that. idea of like, like I, you know, I love Cynic. I love Gordian Knot. I like, I love Sean Malone's like solo jazz record. It's just like, I'm never going to hear him play bass again. I'm never going to hear Sean Reiner play drums again. Like, like mm-hmm. Sean Reiner, like, I mean, talk to a guy like Max, like my bandmate in Tumult. Like if, if Sean Reiner and Bill Bruford don't exist, like Max doesn't play drums the way he plays drums. Like, you know what I mean? Like those yeah. things do carry weight for a lot of people. Right. So, um, but then you do think about these things and like maybe like like I said earlier, like living in the midst of a pandemic, like you just never know like when you got to like punch your ticket out. Like, 
that's terrifying and and rather be addled by that fear you just turn it into something positive and you just say like well i'm gonna do something with myself like i'm gonna write music i'm gonna try to make these records just do something oh hold on oh it looks like it's good Sorry. okay that's okay <laughs> I think we're I think we're get, we're close to wrapping up anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask you one more thing. Now I'm forgetting. Um, oh, let, I'll I'll leave it at this. Okay. We were talking earlier about the Blue Nile. We mentioned it like briefly. Yeah. That album. Yeah. I'm kind of just selfishly bringing it up because I like hadn't listened to that album in so long, and I, and I don't know where. I think that's one of those albums that uh, other musicians will reference yeah and somewhere along the line someone was like talking that up outside of metal you know okay and and i listened to that and, and just i always love synthy type albums synth pop yeah. 80s yeah. stuff like that yeah but um that one man is just such a special album because it's not really like any other one like that but it no because it's it's like almost like it's as if these like people lived in a world surrounded by post-punk and whatnot right but they were like, we're going to do that, but we're also going to be, like, basically adult contemporary. Like, it's way yeah. more mature sounding. Like, it just, the subject matter it deals with. The lyrics of the Blue Nile are, like, so simple. Like, they're, they're beautiful in, like, their simplicity. Yeah. And it just, it's like, he just says exactly what he's thinking. And it just right. breaks my heart when I hear it. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always think about whenever I'm thinking about how I'm going to sequence albums when I'm work, working on albums, I always go back to Hats by Blue Nile. I think it's the most perfect sequenced album of all time. Um, and it's just like the way it flows, like how it, it, it starts off, starts soft, it builds, it comes back down. Um, mm -hmm. It's just an amazing record, a record that never really changes pace. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just, it's super atmospheric. It's super dreamy sounding. Like, yeah, yeah. I definitely think about that album a lot. I think about it a lot when I'm writing for Dream Unending. And yeah, but it's so sick to. I mean, I mean, never say never. I could always just try to find a way to contact Paul Buchanan again. I think <laughs> yeah, my pitch yeah. to him was going to be like, "This will be the coolest. This will be cooler than when you're on that Peter Gabriel record from the 2000s." I think that was going to be my pitch, <laughs> where it's like. I'm like kind of a dick, but I'm not a dick. But yeah, yeah, yeah. not it would have been sick, but he yeah. could always just come on another one. Yeah, maybe if I just go. if Hold I just hope. shouted enough into like the into the world, maybe it'll just come back to me. Hell you yeah, know? will it? I'll <laughs> will it into existence, so to speak. Yeah, but I I I mean, it's a hard sell for metal fans to go check out that album. But like, they should though. Like, just do it. I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like you know, you're when we talk about like sell someone on drive-by truckers it's just like for blue nile i mean if you've ever had like any sort of like romantic feeling in your body if you've ever been in love if you've ever had your heart broken like that record is just for you like yeah. you hear that and life is just better like mm -hmm. i don't know how else to explain it like, <laughs> i love all their albums like i like they only have four but like i love all four for different reasons yeah, and even the only one i've listened to the first one is the, you'll be more prone to like the first one than the third or fourth. The mm -hmm. third one is interesting though, because it's definitely when they start to show more of like their, f I, I use this word loosely, but like faith, like the songs, the album's called peace at last, but it does talk like he reference, like he invokes like God a lot on the album. Oh, interesting. Stuff. Okay. Um, cause they were all like, 
Catholic boys. I think they were all like kind of bonded by like their shared faith and stuff. It's sort of like how like, but they're not like not a Christian band, you know what I mean? They're not like as overt as like King's X or something, a band that is Christian, but not Christian rock. Do you like Mm -hmm. King's X? I never got into them. Oh, bad. I remember, I remember a few songs maybe I, I, but I can't say I've given it like a a fair chance, you know? You could just have Zach from Outer Heaven and I on a podcast where we talk about King's X for 90 minutes. He doesn't Sounds love good. them as much as he loves Iron Maiden, but... Right. Because he loves Iron Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... I'll, I'll give it another chance. I get... Yeah. It's not like I don't. I just, you know... First two records one of those bands. are really good. But, yeah, yeah, like... Like, yeah, Blue Nile was just a band I've always loved, where it was, like, when you met someone who liked the Blue Nile, it was, like, a big deal. Because it yeah. was, like, one of those things where it's, like... Nobody knows. It's like one of those things that you like that you don't know other people like. It's like going right. to a metal show where everybody likes metal, but then you'll see someone wearing like a Resident Evil shirt and you're like, hey, I love Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like little things like that where right. you are there for the same reason, but then you're bonded by the other thing, like the other niche things you like that you don't yeah. know anyone yeah. on. Yeah. And I find that it's the, the equivalent is going to. Uh, oh, your screen changed. I'm here. <laughs> here you. It's fine. It's like going. It's like going to a non-metal show or going to anywhere non-metal and seeing someone in a metal T-shirt. You know what I mean? Right. It's like if someone comes in to the cafe that I work at and sees me in a Nile T-shirt and they're like, "Oh, I know Nile. I love Nile." And you're like, "Okay, great." Right. So yeah. But anyways, Blue Nile <laughs> are the best. This these screens are amazing. <laughs> I'm just watching them pass now. <laughs> yeah maybe i guess that's where we should wrap it yeah i guess so we've been talking long enough i think it's a there we go but not right. still um yeah i think we covered it I, I just wanted to bring it up like i said selfish reasons because i forgot about that and i was like hell yeah yeah and i uh, yeah but anyways but uh anything else we should throw in there before we stop or i mean it's coming out in november it's when we'll probably throw this out there right Something yeah like that. And, so november by the time you hear it I'll probably have already been planning when we're going to track the next one. Yeah. Um, Outer Heaven Record won't be out by then, but like you should just be genuinely excited for it. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun album. It's really catchy. Has a lot of good hooks. They're, yeah. I guess I've always like felt like they've always just reminded, like they've been a lot around much longer than Two Mold, but just like the way they approach music just reminds me of Two Mold. Maybe that's yeah. why I always just felt so connected to them. And playing with them is a real pleasure. Um, and I haven't been able to gig with them because it's just it's so hard to get down to America. Yeah. Um, but to be on the record for me, like that's a timeless thing. That's like really, sure. it's really nice for me. Like I'm just so grateful. Like whatever happens, happens. But like to be on that album was like it was really nice. Yeah. Like I really care about it, which is cool. I, yeah. I can't wait to hear it, man. It sounds awesome. It'll be good whenever it gets yeah. done. It'll be, yeah. it'll be sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun. Like, it's like, oh, I get to do this sweet album and then I get to be on this other band's like sweet album. And right. Just like, I mean, that's just what I'll do. I'll just try to be on sweet albums. <laughs> 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 Something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome, man. Um, yeah. This is a pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you. Oh, it's always so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah, it is. It just, just like, give me space. Let me vent about nothing. And then <laughs> put people to sleep with my rambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, whoever listens to, I mean, you know what? No, I mean, even the last one we did with the Drive By Truckers, man. I mean, they're still usually one of the more listened to episodes. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's cool. It works. <laughs> I mean, the other band's great. Uh, <laughs> I listen to Patterson Hood solo records a lot now too. Good. They're, I did that. they're really yeah, good. really. Good. After you were mentioning that one, I was like, I think I had already. I think I went into some other ones that he had put out or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, that got some people with that one. So, I mean. Sweet. <laughs> I think that's an easier sell than the Blue Nile, but like the Blue Nile yeah. are amazing. So you should just, dem- you should just listen to the first esoteric record, like the demo, and then listen to the Blue Nile. And then you'll understand Dream on Ending completely. Right. Or not there at all. Go. Whichever. You should put like a playlist out there or something. I would like, like to. I was, maybe that'll happen with, like I know sometimes different publications will do that. If not, maybe I'll just do it and promote it through the dream and ending Instagram. You can follow us. Yeah. On Instagram at the dream is unending. Yeah. Right. To it's us. cool. Cause you've got so many interesting ones. It would be cool. It'd be a cool playlist. Yeah. I think if I just flood it with like Bruce Hornsby songs, then everyone will get mad, but that, <laughs> maybe I'll just do that. But that could be fun. That could be fun. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be a bad idea. I yeah, just have man. to uh, just have to make the time to do it. Right, right. I have time, I suppose. But yeah. And then in the meantime, um yeah, that's it. That's basically <laughs> uh yeah. Uh don't worry, Tumult still exists. Like don't 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 worry. Yeah. <laughs> you deserve a break though. I mean, yeah, come for on. sure. Well, like by this point like like, you know, uh Max, my bandmate has been working on he's been putting out some stuff on a solo project Death Neil, which is a sort of like to call it noise is an understatement because like some people make noise, like some noise artists make noise and then some noise artists make music. Like yeah. I don't consider his music noise. It's just like heavy ambient. Okay. Um, he is a, such a pro. He's such a brilliant person. When I listen to the stuff that he makes, there's so many layers to it. Like I can't, I can't express it. His music makes me cry. Like I just love it so much. He's such a talented guy. I can't yeah. wait for the stuff he's been working on to come out sooner or later. Um, okay. And, you know, Payson always has something going on. He's got his horror movie long sleeve shirt company too, Body Yeah, Bags. yeah, yeah. He's got so many heaters. I have yeah, I have a whack <laughs> of them on my, where I hang all my clothes. He's just always, always going. And yeah. Yeah. And it's great now. He lives one block away from me pretty much. Nice. So okay. that's a... Oh, what a wonderful feeling. That's yeah. awesome. That is probably the only, <laughs> the best part of living here again is living close to him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's Halloween time coming up so you guys can. Fuck yeah. Throw yeah. on some good horror movies and. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, I can't believe it's almost October, man. Yeah. I've been waiting for this record to come out for like, it feels like a year, but it hasn't been a year, but that was a long summer, man. Not being able to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So anyways, glad it's, glad it's out. Yeah, man. Yeah. I know. I'm glad I can talk about it and other people can hear it. And hell yeah, man. Yeah, it's man. It's great. should it's... be fucking proud of that thing for sure. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Well, <clears throat> we'll call it there. Call and, it there. Uh, in, the, in, the, in this time you listen to this podcast, you could have watched a movie. <laughs> you could have watched. Maybe, we'll, maybe I'll throw it out in two parts or something. Break yeah. it up. or Yeah, you'll, we'll you'll work your magic. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks as always, man. Yeah, man. Always fun, and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. (laughs) All right, man. Larry, have a good night. All right, you too. Bye, dude.